0: I'm a man who believed that I died 20 years ago and I live like a man who is dead already. I have no fear whatsoever of anybody or anything. Gary Webb,
1: I am investigative journalist, and in 1996, I wrote a series of stories in Time of Dark Alliance, uh, which was about CIA involvement in drug trade.
2: I knew a man who once said, death smiles at us all. All a man can do is smile back. We've both in
1: skull and bone, the secret society. is so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go watch. Oh, i sure I don't
3: know. I haven't seen the rest. Number 322. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. I sad duty to report this
3: afternoon that my friend and colleague, Tim Russell, collapsed and died early this afternoon. I may die in this cell tonight or in the arena tomorrow. I am a slave. What possible difference can I make?
4: And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know.
2: What's up guys? It's No Way Jose. You you can watch us on YouTube, all major obbuxers, and Rumble. Uh guys, that was a fucking banger intro, right? That was from uh at Thinline123. Follow me on Twitter. I yanked that intro from him. That shit is dope. Uh I do have Dave Camp Dave DeCamp coming on in a second and uh kind of talking foreign policy so yeah the intro may not make as much sense but you'll you'll I think you'll understand what's our second guest this is a I have a big show for you guys today we're doing a double feature live stream is what I'm calling it have Dave DeCamp for the first hour and then after that I have uh Ken Silva coming on and my buddy Clint Russell might be hopping on at that point to co-host he'll be just getting back from his show with Luke, Luke Rudkowski at that point uh so I have him co-hosting and I don't even know how to explain it to you without sounding schizo, but this is like real shit. So I mean, we'll get into that later. I guess the the best three words I could sum it up with is like satanic fed J six. It's it's fucking nuts. But y- either way, it'll 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 become more clear when we have them on. If you guys have been paying attention to my show, I did cover that. Uh, we sort of covered a little bit of the story when we covered the Jade Parker stuff. I had BX on. And also had Ken on for separate episodes, and we we talked, both of those episodes, we talked about that a lot. So if you guys saw those, you might kind of know what we're getting at. But essentially that story's developed a little bit more with something else, which weirdly enough was like kind of a viral thing on Twitter. And then uh, BX, this person I know on Twitter, decided to look into it more, and then it had some ties to like some satanic cult shit. So... Weird world we live in, Uh, this is what we're dealing with these days, but let's keep it grounded for this first hour. Just normal foreign policy stuff. Let me go through the normal rigmarole. Uh, You guys, obviously if you're watching this right now, you realize there's a live stream. Uh, The two things I just laid out, the second story is like super breaking news. And then also foreign policy is for this first hour. So both are, like, time-dependent things. I normally put myself behind the paywall because you guys know I normally do, like, parapolitic-specific type episodes. So, like, I'm, for example, I have right now behind the paywall for you guys uh, a Jonestown series I'm working on. Uh, I mean, I could drop that three weeks from now. It's a great episode, but I could drop it three weeks from now. It makes no difference. But something like foreign policy, talking about Israel-Gaza... It makes a bit of a difference. So I just want to let that know for my patrons. Occasionally, I will do these live streams. You guys are aware of this. But typically, how this works is if you're a patron, you get the early stuff. At uh, the lowest level, 2 bucks. It's patreon.com. It's jose 2020 uh, The highest level I read you guys off every episode. Uh, those are my sponsors. I have Toad, my co-host on Taring at tarring Toad. And I have at Abrogate D's. Then Kevin B. Clark, a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. Then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K. Then at underscore Infinite Zeal. Then Jacob Daniel of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Biblical Anarchy. Then Tim Tuttle at Jolly on Klebold. He's my usual edit like intro guy. And then I also have at Stinky Sock 420. He's a singer of the, of the band Bender, or Bender, which is like a metalcore band, dope stuff. Definitely go check that out. appreciate you guys. You guys enabled me to do what I do i do also know i actually have like i guess you call it i don't know if you call it corporate like a business sponsor now uh and I'll, I'll do a read for that later but i just want to remind you guys the five dollar up and higher level you guys uh, get the monthly giveaway for a free bag of coffee so hey whatever there's not a ton of you in there so pretty good pretty good odds so just saying if you don't want it that's cool if you do want to share around the show you don't you don't have to give me money but you know share it around help build it up uh, but with that, enough of enough of my and My Wares, my grifting, all that. Let's get Dave DeCamp in here and talk about the the newest in uh the world stage. What's up, Dave? How you doing?
0: I'm good, Jose. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Weird weird world we live in. I'm uh uh I'm ready to get into this. It's weird. I didn't think that I'd be, you know, covering Israel Gaza and be like this is like the light topic of the two <laughs> <laughs> I mean don't be wrong, I guess like you could say by scale it's bigger, but you, you know what I mean. It's uh, yeah, no,
0: that Satanist stuff, yeah, that freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, uh, if you want to, you've actually never been on my show before, which is a little bit of a travesty, but um, this is no fault of yours, it's a fault of my own. Uh, as we were saying before, I typically, I only occasionally pay attention to foreign policy stuff, uh, but, you know, so that's kind of what I have you here on here for. Every now and then I get sucked in. I got sucked in a little bit with the Israel-Gaza stuff, you know, paying attention to foreign policy again. Uh, I don't know. Call it what you will. Uh, I mean, it was just—I knew as soon as Israel stuff popped off. I mean, I know. I know everyone's gonna go anti-Semite, but it's like, okay, we know how these cards fall once Israel's on the table, and we I, you, we saw the saw the tea leaves, and we're like, oh, this is gonna get wild, and it kind of is. So here we are. But either way, uh, we're doing like a foreign policy update. But go ahead and let my audience know who you are, what you're about, and can just, you know, obviously foreign policy, I think it's pretty obvious. I think most people probably know who you are, but just for those who don't, uh, just kind of let them know what you're about.
0: Yeah, so I work for antiwar.com, uh, which most people know, Scott Horton, he's our, you know, biggest name, and uh, for good reason, because he's done so much work, mm-hmm. and, but I, I focus really on the news side of things. I write, um, if you go on the website, you'll see there's a top news section, and I usually write, uh, you know, about, I average about six articles each day, kind of short news summaries of just kind of the top foreign policy news of the day from our, you know, anti-war non-interventionist perspective. Um, and it's a pretty good resource for people that want to keep up. I keep it very simple, kind of short summaries. Um, and I also have a daily show, a daily podcast and YouTube show called Anti-War News. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what I'm focused on. I uh, It takes up uh, a lot of my time, you know it's it's my full- time job. I sort through like hundreds of stories every day and try to follow this stuff and you know we have a pretty small staff, so it's been pretty overwhelming lately with mm-hmm. all this stuff that's going on. It's been really uh, really nuts.
2: Yeah, it's 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 been crazy. So I guess let's let's just kind of start off. Actually, you know, I I would scratch that idea that I was about to have. I want to ask you about your thoughts on the. Uh, I'm assuming you've had to have seen. it. There's no way you haven't. Did you watch the uh, latest uh, Robert Kennedy Dave Smith show off? Did you see that?
0: Oh, you know, I actually haven't watched the whole thing, but I saw the ten minute clip. I have to watch it. Yeah, I've been meaning okay. to watch it. But All right, fair enough. <laughs> it, I'll say just for from that clip and just from what I've seen, RFK Jr. When he talks about foreign policy, when he talks about Ukraine and and other places, you can tell he knows what he's talking about. He's not, you know, he's very well informed. He uses logic and kind of reasoning to, you know, come to his positions. When it comes to Israel, it's just all completely out the window. Like, it's really something. So, yeah, I think that even just that clip that the one that they've posted on Twitter, yeah, I got. I almost forgot. I got. Yeah, I got to watch that whole thing. I don't know if I can uh, watch an hour of that, but
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. For me, it got me a little bit hyped. It was pretty. It was pretty nice to see. It was. A, it was a masterful performance by Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I guess like. It was just kind of, to me, it was, I get it's two people and like in some sense, like Dave put an episode today and he was going into it and kind of going like how he has a lot of respect for uh, RFK in a lot of ways. And I sort of do too. But like for me, like in that situation, it was two ideas clashing and like my idea was just raping the other idea. So I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: and,
0: and it's cool that Dave got that because there's been a lot of people wanting to confront him on that. And it was cool mm-hmm. that, that it was Dave that got to do it. And yeah. he knows, a lot, he probably knows a lot more than... uh rfk thought he would you know Mm -hmm. you wouldn't expect you know some comedian guy to know so much about israel but he knows quite a bit so
2: (laughs) yeah i don't think he knew entirely he was stepping in i think he knew because you could tell watching it uh rfk was very well versed on israel gaza stuff as well or just Palestine israel whatever uh, but nowhere near the level of dave and i think he thought like i know this really well I don't think he, I think he knew Dave probably knew it well, but not that well. Mm. <laughs> so, which, I mean, that's fair. But, anyways, enough talk about somebody else's show. Uh, <laughs> it was really, okay, I don't know. I just, I was really hyped about that whole situation. It was nuts, but. I I don't know. I guess uh, I do want to keep talking about it. But let's move on. Anyways, let's get into what's going on in Israel Gaza right now. I think last I checked, we're up to what, like 26,000 or some craziness in civilian deaths. Uh, wh- where are we at now? Do- are we going to have to have like a uh, a counter kind of like we do for the Federal Reserve money ticker? Or yeah. how's this going to work?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, in, so it's been about four months now. And it's uh, according to Gaza's health ministry, what they're counting... Is over 27,000 Palestinians killed. That includes over 11,500 children. And these numbers, you know, were disputed initially. Biden, you know, accused them of lying. But it's come out basically that the state, the U.S. State Department, uses the, their numbers, think that they're the most accurate, and mm-hmm. and so does Israel. So does the Israeli military. They're not even counting. Um, and then there's actually another rights group that puts out an estimate, including because there's about 8,000 people that are missing who are presumed to be under the rubble because in Gaza, they don't have heavy construction equipment to dig the rubble out. And there's a few thousand children in there, which is just horrific to think about like a child being stuck under the rubble. Um, so including that, it's about 35,000, which I think is a pretty safe bet that, that the death toll is, is nearly that high. Um, and that does include some Hamas. You know, We don't really know the number of Hamas guys that Israel's killed they're yeah. claiming like 10,000, but it's probably not that high. And, Which, uh, but it's yeah. 70% women and children and they have the names, you know, when Biden mm-hmm. said that they were lying or whatever, they published all the names of the people that were killed that they had so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, it's like, people think children, Oh, it's probably like 16, 17 year old, you know, terrorists. But if you look at the list, it's a lot of babies that didn't even turn one one year olds 2 year, like it's it's pretty evenly spread out across the age zero to 17. So it's like a mass murder of, of children. I mean, it's really, uh, insane how people are somehow like propagandized into thinking that the U S tax, their tax money should be supporting that. I mean, even if you like Israel, it's like, what, why should we be supporting killing that many kids? Like that, that you can't do that and not expect consequences, you know?
2: Yeah. It's really dark stuff. I, I, I just think too many people have – and this has actually been, I think, the, the talking point that uh, – actually, funny enough, bring it back to RFK, this is kind of talking point he used when he was arguing for it was kind of the, the distinct evil. I forget. There's actually a logical term for it where it's a fallacy where like, oh, but this one thing, logically speaking, gets to sit outside the rest of logic. And essentially the point being is like making Hitler comparisons or, or something along those lines. This is a distinct evil. So in this situation, it's different. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well – you're killing people and you're using explosives and you're doing it in populated areas. It's going to kill civilians. Uh, I guess the kind of point I was getting is like, people have accepted that if it's to a certain, for example, like the, the atomic bombs, I know me and you are probably on the same exact, uh, you know, wavelength there. I don't think they are justified. I, I don't think that's a justified thing to do. Uh, to to kill that many innocent people in some vague hopes that something will happen to your to your advantage. Uh, I I don't know. I just it is weird. We hear these numbers and they just seem abstract. And I, I feel like people hear like ten thousand Hamas dead and they go, oh, that's a lot of Hamas. And you're like, okay, but how like how many people had to die for that? Like I don't. know. I, I guess I'm just kind of rambling here, just saying a lot of the same stuff we always say when we talk about war. It's just so. I don't know, it's worse here. I mean, not worse necessarily, but there's just so many. It's such a small area. Um, I guess this would be a good segue to get to what's going on with the genocide stuff. Because I know over in, um, uh, what was it, the UN World Courts, we they, that recently was determined, I think it was somewhat weird legal jargon, where it was sorta genocide, sorta not. We're not going to really call it it, but we're basically saying it is. Uh, what what's, What is the current status of that? Uh, does that in any way politically bind Israel in any way whatsoever or is it just a uh is it just a way to say to the world that we condemn this essentially
0: Yes yeah, so the court the ICJ the International Court of Justice um that first ruling so South Africa brought the case to them and they wanted the ICJ to order like some emergency provision basically to call for like a ceasefire to order a ceasefire halt to the military operations so and and then the actual genocide case is gonna take a few years to deliberate. It always takes a really long time, the ICJ mm-hmm. rulings. But um so they came out for that ruling, that emergency thing that South Africa wanted, and they didn't explicitly call for a ceasefire, but they said it's plausible that the that Israel's committing genocide, that the South Africa case is you know, is a strong case, basically. And they ordered Israel to stop you know, killing, I forget the the wording, but it was basically, you know, it's under the genocide convention and the genocide convention defines genocide as destroying a people or place like intentionally. And so they like ordered them to stop doing that. So of course, Israel is going to be like, oh, we're not doing that. You know, we're fighting Hamas, even though they're blowing up, destroying, you know, entire neighborhoods and, and everything. And, and I mean, now the situation there, like, they pushed most of the Palestinians are in Rafa, which is in Southern Gaza on the Egyptian border. There's like 1.3 million Palestinians basically living on the street there in tents and stuff. And that's Israel saying that that's like their next target, that they're going to, mm-hmm. they've been dropping more bombs there and they're going to launch a ground operation. So of course, yeah, it's like, like you said, of course you do this stuff where it's, where it's so densely populated, of course, civilians are going to be killed. And I think it's pretty clear that they're intentionally killing yeah. civilians there was a big report in 972 magazine, which is a Israeli magazine and um, basically said citing Israeli sources saying that part of the strategy was to destroy civilian areas and that we know exactly what we're doing. every you know the actual quote was, if a three-year- old girl dies, it's because we determined you know that she it was it was uh, collateral damage that was worth it, basically. It said in some cases they dropped bombs where they thought they would kill one Hamas guy. And even though they could kill hundreds of civilians, like that's that's their thinking. And this is like World War Two. Like you mentioned the new King Japan, um, the it's comparable to the, the strategic bombing campaigns in Germany and Dresden, like the destruction mm-hmm. is on that level. And that's what they're citing that they the Israeli president claimed that they found a copy of Mein Kampf in a child's bedroom. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's the propaganda <laughs> is
2: light reading. Insane. yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I guess that kind of neatly brings it back to what I was trying to get at there is I guess some people would make the point that like, hey, well, that ended World War Two. And obviously we have our different arguments on why that may not be the case or in surrender or whatever. But even if we accept the best, you know, good faith are like accept their argument or just for the sake of argument, accept that. Uh, now we're at a point to where now this is happening and that is being used as a precedent. So now we're at this point where now we have essentially to some extent given up that rhetoric or that given that ability to allow someone to use that as reference later when they're doing this. So all the people that would simp for the fucking nukes now here we are, if you want to bitch about Israel, it's kind of like, in a certain sense, you are in, involved in a performative contradiction, essentially, like, how are you able to justify this, but not that? Why? Because USA, and then that becomes the crux of every war ever, because our side, their side.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and you see that, like, you've seen it, I think it's the Israeli ambassador to the UK, this woman that she was saying like, "Oh, how many Germans did you kill?" Like she was talking on British TV. How many Germans did you kill during World War Two? Like, was that not worth it? You know, was that not justified? Killing all those civilians, and then you know the propaganda, especially in like the UK and the US, like a new the newscast was like, "Oh, well, uh, you know, can't say no. Actually, it was hard. It was bad that we killed all those civilians. They can't mm-hmm. say that. So it does kind of put them in this corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, and and Biden actually." even said that once that Netanyahu brought up bombing of Japan and Germany to justify it. So it's like, you know, it, it is, uh, something that especially when it comes to like our media and all the wars that they justify, you know, everybody's Hitler. That's what they always resort to. Mm -hmm. So now Hamas is the Nazis. So it's okay that we're killing all these, all these kids and everything. So,
2: um,
0: but I think today the big difference between now and then is social media is the fact that people can see what's happening in Gaza. It's a lot harder now that, you know, the internet and stuff has been cut off in in a lot of places. But I mean, a few month or two ago, you could go on Instagram and there's Palestinian journalists just walking around from Mm -hmm. different airstrikes and you see kids getting pulled out of the rubble. And it's just so you can see it. I mean, there was one video I saw of them trying to save a baby that a a, a woman that was killed, they're cutting her open. Like it, and the baby was dead like you know i just saw it on instagram like that's crazy and that's like what our tax dollars are funding so that's why you see all the polls you know you never really know what polls but they've been pretty consistent that most americans think there should be a ceasefire which is like a pretty reasonable thing to say when you see something like that but of course if you call for a ceasefire you're you know you love hamas and hate the jews and all that um So, but yeah, it seems like the, I mean, if you see, especially among Democrats, I don't know if you've seen any of Biden's like campaign events. They, they keep getting interrupted and like they call him genocide, Joe. So there's definitely Mm -hmm. a lot of opposition to this that's growing at least.
2: I don't know if this is that, maybe I'm connecting two things that shouldn't really be, but I think, and I know you probably may not pay attention to the political as much as you do the specifics of foreign policy, but I have noticed a trend lately with the, especially where we're in this election season, where the Democrats are running far more right. I mean, obviously the border is a great example of this but it just feels like they are trying to run from the right. And I don't know if it's just maybe, uh, maybe there's some component of it is that they just know they've lost their left, essentially, with this Israel. I mean, maybe I'm connecting two things that shouldn't be. uh, I mean, this is kind of an anecdotal example, but I just think maybe there's something there because you are right. They are losing their left. Like, I mean, at this point, they're really gonna have to have Trump get arrested for them to get elected. I don't know how they pull off this, I don't know how they pull off a turnaround because they are running from the right against the right, you know, like and and then they've lost their left. So it's I, I I just don't see how they could possibly pull this off. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I was just kind of an observation I had was thinking about that, but yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I can't imagine how. I mean, there's a lot of time between now and November, and like there's so like this election is so kind of strange. Like with mm-hmm. the stuff, like there's so many kind of factors and wild cards. It seems like yeah, but. I mean, Biden, like, I don't know if you saw today, there was a clip of him just mumbling basically for like a, a minute on, on the, when he was during, during some kind of press conference. I just or something.
2: stopped paying attention to those. Like, come out every other <laughs> <Yeah>. day now.
0: <laughs> this one was like particularly bad, but yeah, I don't know what the, I, I, one thing I know, I think soon there was, remember there was like some classified documents or something found at biden's house or office mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i think there's some kind of decision on that is happening soon so i know that might be a way that they try to take him out
2: yeah but, but then, then what? what kamala harris <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no 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 one likes kamala it, it, yeah i i don't know if it's true i wish i could remember the source of this but i uh, i remember reading something and it was some sort of like insider thing and they were saying stuff like people talking around some of the actual big people that ha- make these decisions and they're like yeah we don't want to maybe it was a james o'keefe thing and they're like yeah we don't want to run kamala but it's like we also don't want to run Biden. So when this catch 22, we can't not run Kamala cause she's a black woman and that just would look so bad. But if we run her, we lose. And it, it's just, it's, it's just so obvious. Like, I, I don't know if they pull in a Newsome, everyone says that, but I, I don't even think that would work. Cause now they just jilted their black female. Uh, I, I just really, I think it's going to need some sort of paradigm shifting thing much like COVID this year or something. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, cause And you're right. There are so many wild cards, like how we were to start out talking about RFK and Israel in itself. This whole thing has been a paradigm shift, too. Uh, you know, as you can see with someone like an RFK that was so good and so, I mean, I say, I say so good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I am a libertarian. I heard him talk about economic stuff. He's fucking retarded when it comes to that. But when it comes to, like, war stuff, uh, you know, medical freedom, and even then a lot of the stuff that he used to be shitty on, at least he was, like, kind of giving lip service in a better way. Like, I think he was kind of, sort of, good on guns in a lot of way, And, like, not in, like, a gun rights way, but in, like, a am uh, not gonna really, like, at least he wasn't running against it. Uh, and, and now here we are that he is simping for war as hard as you can when it comes to Israel, uh, which I mean, I can have a little bit of respect for him if it was like, I support some sort of military response, but not this, but he's not, it's not even that So it's a, literally a, a support of the carpet bombing campaign. Um, but all right, anyways, I want to bring it back to the, the, you know, kind of the bombing stuff. I know from the beginning, a lot of us who, you know, I don't know, aren't, you know, have actually read a few things. We're kind of predicting from the beginning that this was going to be, oh, bomb, oh, make settlements, oh, crap, now you can't come in because we have other people in these settlements. It looks like that's basically from, I've seen a few stories here and there that seems to be that like, oh, shit, no way, we were fucking right. Um, Can you, am I correct there? Have you seen some stuff where they're already talking about building up the settlements? Because that seemed to be a talking point that the, you know, the supporters of the war were very much trying to avoid uh, from the beginning, because I think they knew, you know, or, or maybe, I, I, not all of them, but there were people who were like, no, that's not what they're doing, it's a military response. Uh, it And maybe it's just, it's such, I guess maybe some people just aren't that cynical to think that somebody would do this, and like with the intent of literally just moving on in. Uh, am I right there? Are, are we seeing this play out exactly like most of us kind of assumed would?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what they want to do. They there was actually in October, like when this thing first started, just like a few weeks after there was a leaked intelligence document from Israel drawn up by the intelligence ministry, you know, which is run by a minister in Netanyahu's Likud party that said it basically laid out like three scenarios for a post-war Gaza. And the best scenario was all of the Palestinians, all 2.3 million of them being expelled into Egypt and then them creating a buffer zone you know encroaching a little bit into egyptian territory so they can't even come close to the border uh, and again that was the best case you know that was their their conclusion was this is the best case scenario you know we got to get them all out so egypt doesn't want that they're not letting really any palestinians in they're like some people get evacuated to other countries but like very small numbers so israel's been looking for other places to send the palestinians and we saw there's a few op-eds there was one in the wall street journal from two Israeli lawmakers that said, you know, the West should take Palestinian refugees, the U S and Europe should take them. And that was great because that was kind of like red meat for right to get right wingers kind of against this, against Israel to show them that, that this is what they're saying. Um,
2: <laughs> and the great replacement, that the theory, that, that anti-Semitic <laughs> conspiracy <yeah. laughs> theory. Oh, here you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. And there was That's a their, joke, obviously.
2: <laughs> go on.
0: And the, the Israeli, intelligence minister. She said things like that. And then, um, so there's these few ministers in the Netanyahu government who are considered like, you know, they call them far right. Like they're the crazy extremists who say openly, they were just at this conference called resettle Gaza. And they were speaking, we got to kick all the Palestinians out, reestablish the settlements, basically conquer the territories, what they want to do. And so they're kind of painted as fringe, but Netanyahu himself has said, he's trying to get countries to absorb Palestinians When the U.S. kind of Biden, you know, it was was criticizing that rhetoric. And right before the genocide case started, right before the first hearing, Netanyahu came out and said, look, we're not trying to expel the Palestinians. You know, they're not going to go anywhere. You know, we're trying to just kind of put that to rest. But then you have these other guys in his government that are still openly saying that's what they want to do. Now, they're having a hard time with Hamas. I mean, they leveled northern Gaza, Gaza City, you know, to the level of Dresden. And they pulled some forces out. And now Hamas, because they got all these tunnels. I mean, their tunnel network is huge. It existed before Hamas existed, and, and they've just made it even bigger. Um, they just started popping up again in North Gaza. Like, they're reestablishing themselves and firing rockets into Israel uh, from this area that Israel, like, decimated. So, you know they got a long way to go before they can actually take it over, but they're working on it. Cause one thing that they're doing is they're creating what they call a buffer zone, which is about a kilometer into Gaza where they're destroying, demolishing whatever's there in the North. It's it's like mostly farmland and greenhouses. They're bulldozing that. And then in other areas, they're blowing up, you know, doing controlled demolitions, burning houses down because though they're saying, Oh, we need this as a buffer zone. But I think it is part of trying to just slowly take over the territory.
2: Yeah. Oh shit. I had a question, but, uh, I, I, one thing I did want to, Oh, I remember what I wanted to ask. So uh, you, you mentioned the tunnels and my eyes lit up. Obviously there was a recent tunnels thing in New York. So everyone had fun with that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it kind of, you know, ironically it, it sort of ties back to, to this, not really, but sorta in, in a certain sense. Uh, if I remember correctly, you said, you just said yourself that those tunnels were around before Hamas. What's the origin of those tunnels?
0: I mean, I think they were built, uh, I mean, the, the level that they're at now, I mean, they've really built them up over the yeah. past, you know, during the blockade. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think that they were probably just built by um, the Palestinian, you know, various resistance groups that oh, were I thought it was,
2: I had thought I had heard somewhere that it was built by Israel for some other reason. And I wasn't trying to make some crazy oh, well, conspiracy point. But my no, point was, was like, actually, it's just kind of funny that it was originally Israel's. But well, on. that
0: was the Al-Shifa hospital, which was the first hospital yeah. that they like raided, that they like put under siege, basically. Mm-hmm. Israel built when they occupy Gaza they built like some big basement under there and, and like some tunnels according to Israeli media so their whole thing was like oh it's a Hamas you know control center under there and then afterwards they just showed like some rooms and like tunnels that connected them it's like well you might have built you know you built some of those so this isn't evidence that there was a you know command center under there um, yeah. but yeah that in that case they they did build those those <laughs> tunnels at least <laughs> like, right yeah, I'm hospital.
2: laughing but it's not funny it's sad but yeah. uh, i mean so, so much about this whole situation is just so ludicrous that you kind of have to laugh even though it is like messed up so stuff going on i mean you know as we've talked about genocide multiple times that we've seen so much rhetoric from people pushing this where they will defer to the previous holocaust to justify this and it's like do you really not recognize the irony whatsoever like seriously uh, it, it, it's quite mind blowing, honestly. Um, I, I, I kind of want to see. Maybe, this might be a tall order for you, uh, but I wanted to see if you could kind of give a breakdown of why it even is from like kind of a deeper level that they, the, that Israel would go to this extent to get land, essentially. Uh, and why I'm getting at this is because I, I think most people hear about this and they just, they they just can't get that cynical to think it's really that simple. But I know when this stuff started kicking off. I've I've you know been I've read plenty you know liter, uh, libertarian literature and, and some foreign policy stuff. So like I've kind of gotten the periphery here and there. Lots of different you know factoids about Israel, but I never really did a deep dive on it. When this stuff started kicking off, I read uh, Sheldon Richman's book, and then I also uh, you know completely did um, uh, Martyr Made series, uh, Fear and Loathing in New Jerusalem. Uh, and both of those kind of cover different periods. Obviously, uh, I mean, Sheldon Rustom is a little bit all over the place. His is more like kind of like semi modern day uh, ish to like uh, you know kind of you know creation of Israel to now. Whereas uh, you know martyrs, uh, I forget his fuck. I always forget his real name. But um, uh, Daryl, yeah, Daryl Daryl Cooper. There you go. But Daryl in that series, he he covers more like before the creation and the creation. And so I think when you have that backdrop, you kind of get why. I mean, it is really messed up when you get into that. And and I, let me tell you, once you start going down these rabbit holes, you just keep going further back in rabbit holes. Now I'm looking at like weird uh, Jewish history from like the 1600s. Uh, I mean... I guess you call it anti-Semitic pe- pipeline. <laughs> not that I'm anti-Semitic now, but it is like it is. There's always another layer, like of why there's a justification for this horrid thing that is happening. And I'm not saying this distinctly to you know in Israel. To, I mean, this is you know every war ever. They always use you know the same logic of like, well, so and so did this. But if like, I guess this is kind of essentially getting to the root of the issue between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Like, why is it that they are so set on this land and they just are incapable of allowing these people just to have this bit of land?
0: Well, so when it comes to Gaza, you know, there's, of course, all sorts of theories that Netanyahu let this attack happen because there's there's a lot of evidence, you know, they had Hamas's attack plan for over a year. There was all sorts of warnings from the IDF soldiers based on the on the border saying, hey, they're practicing an attack. Hey, you know, they're like just out in the open Hamas was simulating this this attack. So some people think and you know I definitely suspect that this this could be true that they let the attack happen. They probably didn't think it would be so big. But they let it happen to justify you know this just settling the Gaza issue once and for all and going in there pulverizing the place and taking over. But I also kind of cut you
2: off. But I do want to say, if the past is any indication of the future, especially when it comes to the state of Israel or the creation of the state of Israel. That logic totally tracks. And I know everyone wants to act like this crazy conspiracy theory, but there have been so many false flags in the name of Israel that have happened, especially around that time period. So, and these are a lot of the same people are still running this country to this day literal fucking terrorists that, you know, admit to being terrorists. And, you know, the idea that they wouldn't pull off some sort of Operation Gladio Northwoods type thing or something to advance their own causes and people want to scoff that off. Uh, you're being ridiculous because you clearly are just displaying you don't know the history. But sorry, I, I just I know a lot of people try to skirt around that like it's ridiculous to even bring that up. But I think it's a perfectly fair thing to bring up. But go ahead. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you were doing that. But.
0: Yeah, no, I was saying. So I mean, I'm bringing that up because I actually one reason I think why it might that might not be the case, although I still believe it could be, mm-hmm. is the fact that the West Bank, uh, Judea and Samaria, as the Israelis call it. Is really like the big prize for Netanyahu and these people in his government. That has been their focus. Gaza is pretty small, you know, the Gaza Strip, but the West Bank that that's the big. And one of the reasons why you know there was never any peace deal was because the Israelis, um, you know, there were some that genuinely wanted to make peace, give the Palestinians a two-state solution. But many of them, like Netanyahu, as he has bragged now that you know he prevented a two-state solution. It wasn't the Palestinians. He said, "Oh, it was me." and that's one thing you hear RFK say why didn't they accept you know the peace deal and then you have Netanyahu saying you know because of me you know there's no peace deal but anyway the west bank you know seems to be the the real prize for them and they they and the, really the roadblock to any sort of peace is the settlements it is the fact that they're constantly encroaching you know very slowly encroaching on palestinian land in the west bank which is been under military occupation since 1967, and this is something you know that martyr made. You know, Daryl Cooper always says. I I always check his Twitter because he has, it, you know, his perspective. I really like because he's kind of like a right wing guy, very yeah. serious, but he's, he's like the most you know, prize
2: mutual sided from Dave probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: he followed me recently. Yeah, I was happy yeah. about that. But yeah, he um, you know, it's just an unsustainable situation keeping people under military occupation for that long. Basically, no matter. What else is happening? So, the settlers have just been encroaching on this this land in the West Bank. This this has been a goal of Netanyahu under Trump because the U.S. kind of can restrict some of the settlement stuff just because it, it's bad PR. It looks bad under Trump. The U.S. basically declared that the settlements are not no longer illegal under international law, and they expanded them at a very pretty quick pace. And then when this new Netanyahu government came in at the end of 2023. No, sorry, the end of 2022 they basically released a statement saying our goal is to expand settlements and eventually annex the West Bank. You know, they're very upfront about it. So it's basically those designs on the West Bank. And of course the Palestinians over the years have built up this kind of identity and and uh nationalism even though I guess they don't technically have a country but you know they they're very attached to the land. And and the people in Gaza, you know, you look at the history you listen to that Martyr made podcast that last episode, hearing about, there's something about the anecdotes. Because again, it's something, this is something that I think it's important to read kind of anecdotal stuff that's happening in Gaza. Because you could hear 11,500 children killed. But if you hear the story from like a Palestinian mother who lost three kids, when she evacuated, you know, it's just, it, it really makes you think about it. And I remember one anecdote from that podcast was about, I forget exactly the specifics, but it was like a Palestinian kid with his mom and baby, you know, his little brother. And the baby dies because the mom, you know, is at, you know, dehydrated and, and can't feed him. And then the mom eventually dies. They're just walking through the desert. That Palestinian kid makes it to Gaza, which becomes a, a you know huge refugee camp. And then these are the people that grow up, the ones who were kicked out of their houses and they some of them sell the keys to their houses and they tell their kids, you know, one day we're going to go back. And they have no other recourse really they can't you know they're stateless people which sounds nice to you know libertarians but really what that means is you can't travel you you have no rights um so yeah you know it's obviously ingrained in them not to give up the territory and you know really there is nowhere for them to go at this point unless Mm -hmm. you want to go live in a ghetto like you know in iraq there's very you know like basically a palestinian ghetto lebanon uh it's improved there for them but that was one of the big causes of of all the fighting in, in the lebanese civil war was the the um you know israel expelling all these people into these neighboring countries so yeah i mean there's a lot of things into it but right now like the main impediment to peace has been the settlements because they they never want to because a long time ago palestinians basically said that they would settle for the two-state solution um, but the israelis always have their eyes on on judea and samaria as they call it
2: yeah yeah yeah, unfortunately, it's a never-anything. I, I, one question I did want to ask you: what are your thoughts about like the just using genocide in rhetoric? Like, because I have split thoughts on it, like, because it is a sloppy word. Uh, although it is, it is a word that hits people to their core, it might kind of shake them up. But it is also like, I kind of don't like it in the sense that it, I feel like it almost makes it so that somehow because it's a group thing or for land that it somehow, you know, it makes it different than murder in general, like, you know what I mean, like, the idea that because the ends, or for, or because they're of a specific group, and it's because of a group, at the end of the day, the, the, the problem should be that, like, literally, we're murdering people, uh, the, the idea that it's like, oh, well, they're Palestinian, or they're, you know, Jewish, or whatever, like, that's kind of beside the point, uh, it, it, it kind of brings it to this weird, I don't know, like identity politics almost type thing where what, like what is, or is not genocide? Uh, wh- what are your thoughts when using that? Do, do you like to use it? I'm always torn, torn on it. Cause it is kind of just like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe also it's been played up too much or in a certain sense kind of has this, it's almost like when somebody says colonist, it's like, okay, yeah, I guess technically that's accurate, but like, I don't know, I guess I just aesthetically don't like it. Cause it's kind of just feels icky and lefty ish. Uh, what, what are your thoughts in general? I'm, I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, no, I, I tend to avoid the word because it's way overused. Um, You know, like the U.S. accuses China of genocide and uh, of genociding the Uyghurs. Um, And that's like an official State Department, you know, thing that they put out that they accuse China of of genocide in Xinjiang. Um, And then they say Israel's defending itself in Gaza. But uh, that's just one example. You know, there's a lot of. You, you do see this rhetoric a lot from people about their like kind of pet cause. Like, um, you know, a lot of people would always call the situation in Palestine, a, a genocide. And I never really, you know, would use that term. This I'm talking about before what's happening in Gaza now, just kind of, but you know, I think it was clearly a military occupation and ethnic cleansing. in, in some cases, especially in the founding of Israel, but genocide is a big term. And like there's, Different definitions of genocide, but I think the the genocide convention one is pretty reasonable. It's, it, I, it's like the intentional destruction of a people or nation, you know, and not just the entire people, but like in a place, you know, like Gaza. Like if you're trying to kill all the Palestinians in Gaza or expel all of them, uh, that could be a genocide. Um, so I think it can be overused because a lot of people would hear that and be like, genocide, come on. Like, what do you, you know, kind of discount? Whoever's talk like say every article I wrote I was like oh the Israeli genocide in Gaza if that was in the first line I think a lot of people would stop reading mm. so I, I'm always like aware of that um, but I think it's interesting with this ICJ thing to actually look at all this evidence and say you know we call these wars are called genocide you know people accuse Assad of a genocide in Syria you know there's all these genocide accusations that have happened but looking actually looking at what's happening in Gaza and uh, you know it's interesting John Mearsheimer who's um very you know prominent foreign policy scholar and and analyst who um i'm sure you're familiar with him yeah
2: I've he was him. the I've one looked into him yet, but
0: yeah yeah he was the one for years war- warning that about ukraine that it was going to lead to war with russia i mean you know basically predicted exactly what happened um and you know very serious and he said at first it's not a genocide i i i, I would say it's a massacre um but then when i think it was in november when Israel and Hamas, they traded hostages, hostages for Palestinian prisoners. And there was like a week long pause, truce. And after that, Israel went right back to doing what they were doing. And um, that was when Meir said that he considered it a genocide because it was, they were restarting the war in the South where they told everybody to evacuate. They tell the Palestinians get out of there. And then they, you know, and there's speaking about, you know, anecdotal stories, one I remember specifically was a woman in northern Gaza. She went to the south, airstrike hit her, killed most of her family, and then her and her one surviving kid were like, "We're going back north." They were just because they wanted to go die in their in their home, you know. So, but and and now there's been multiple times. So you have Palestinians from the north evacuate to the south to Khan Yunis, which is a big city. Well, now Khan Yunis is under complete siege, so they've evacuated to Rafa, and now that's going to be next. So like you know, just the fact that. Declaring safe zones and bombing the safe zones seems pretty, pretty genocidal to me. Um, But yeah, for the most part I try to avoid it, but I think like if we're going to use the word (laughs) this, this is, I think it definitely applies to what is happening in Gaza. I mean, the number is huge because it might not sound huge. 27,000 people killed, but there's only, you know, 2.3 million people in Gaza. And so it's about one percent, a little over one percent of the whole population. And if you look at the just go look at the previous conflicts, the previous, you know, intifadas and stuff between Israel and the Palestinians. Never nowhere any near this this death hole. It's a small country, Israel. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a you know, it it is a mass slaughter of civilians. So I think it qualifies as a genocide.
2: Yeah, and I, I like slaughter or whatever better. Uh, I mean, I guess I take that out of context. But um, but I just feel like, yeah, because kind of the point I was getting at, and I, I think this also kind of gets to the, the root of it. I know you mean you are both libertarians, so we believe in private property. Conservatives claim to believe in the concept of private property. And as we kind of brought up how these Palestinians got booted out, uh, you know, the I, I think everyone looks at, like, how we resolve this problem. Not that we would necessarily do it. If anything, our only role is to get the fuck out of it. But if anyone was to resolve this, people always look at this in this silly binary as if we have to... Well, this means okay. Well, the Palestinians get it back. Palestinians get this back. This whole land, or is Israel gets this whole land? It becomes a silly binary between Israel and Palestine. When, as you pointed out, there are literally people who have legitimate property claims on an individual level, to where they have the right. A lot of them still have deeds, ways to even prove their thing. All I mean, I'm no, I'm no libertarian or property rights lawyer, but I feel like. I mean i don't think it would really be i mean i think the political will obviously be hard but i don't know how hard it really would be to have some sort of way to litigate this to figure out like hey who gets what i mean i know i've i mean i've forgotten more about it than i have but i've read in plenty of libertarian books of how to you know the idea of like giving back property that was improperly given to someone else and it, you know i'm not saying that anything bad has to happen to anyone but at the other day Like, these people have legitimate property claims. But now if you're looking at it as the Palestinian people as a whole, no, I don't think they have the right to just be like, No, we want it. This is all ours back because I don't really, I don't really recognize states as legitimate in general. So like whether it's called Israel or Palestine, I don't give a shit. I just want the people who have been wronged to be to the best extent feasible, righted. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that because I think that's kind of the root of the issue. And that's kind of what I was getting at with the genocide idea that it becomes, oh, well, it's distinctly evil because we're murdering a lot of people and they're of a group. And if it's of a, if we have a certain amount of people of this group, then it's like really bad. But it's like, well, what if it's just a disparate groups and like, and you're not targeting a specific group? Does that make it not genocide? Like, it's still fucking murder. Like, and I think it's kind of to some extent, people get stuck in this binary brain, and I think that's kind of the 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 root of the problem here too. Is everyone looks at this and like, what sweeping way can we fix this? When in the other day, I do think. Um, I mean, I don't know if we, who we need to get out there, whether it's Kinsella or what, someone super autistic, uh, to explain how this could be <laughs> rectified. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, right now with the situation, like, it's hard to think of what a possible solution could be. Yeah. I think the idea of, you know, what they call right of return, that, like, the Palestinians who were kicked out of their homes in 1948, that they or their families can return, I think that's just unrealistic, um you know there's a lot of israelis that were born in israel and they live there and there's a lot of them that are against what's happening in gaza most of them support it but you know i don't think they should be you know kicked out of their homes or, or whatever um so but yeah i mean when it comes to the like again the west bank and the settler you know these are extreme extremists you know did mm-hmm. this the, and there's five hundred thousand of them now that live in the west bank so i didn't so, how to rectify that? I mean, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I don't even really know. Like, the two state solution is the thing that could have worked, but now they actually drew up a two state solution uh, when Trump was president. He called it the deal of the century. You know, Jared, Jared Kushner basically drew, drew it up. And what it was is Palestine would get a state, but it, if you looked at the map, it looked like Swiss cheese because the Israeli settlements would stay and would be part of Israel, and they had Israeli only access roads that Palestinians wouldn't be able to get on. Um, And Israel would get the Jordan Valley, which is on, you know, right on the bank of the Jordan river. Um, So it was just a complete non-starter, but it basically showed how a two state solution is kind of impossible right now. If the settlers don't go anywhere. And Mm -hmm. also there's like a tunnel to Gaza, you know, the Palestinians couldn't drive on the roads. They had to take the tunnel, you know, that's kind of the situation. So, and of course, you know, one state, so the one state solution, which people call a call for genocide. You know, this, the, the mm-hmm. slogan from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. People who say that and call for a one state solution, they say it's a call for genocide. And, and cause they don't want a Jewish state, but people that want that say, you know, make it one state, everybody has equal rights. And right now, if they did that, it would be, the population would be 50, 50 pretty much, mm-hmm. which but, Israel doesn't want. So, yeah. you know, they, they could tolerate a Palestinian minority like they have, in Israel proper, it's about, I think, 20% Arab. Uh, Mm. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just really tough to imagine like what the actual solution is gonna be to this. I think
2: the first step is, you know, people like, Countries like ours need to stop funding them because I'm of the opinion that something like what I was getting at, something a little bit more nuanced than just one state, two state, something that is more individualized, uh, maybe more feasible when you're actually in a spot to where you don't have Big Daddy USA off in the corner that's willing to back up one person uh, for Mm -hmm. anything, essentially. Because if we weren't there, if we were not providing any monetary or military support, Uh, They would essentially be forced to, in some way, make some sort of peace, whether that be on some sort of better terms in some way, or else it's not going to go well for them. It's really what it comes down to. Um, I, now I we spent 50 minutes talking about Israel Gaza and I, this, I do want to, I want to get into kind of the Iran stuff going on. I just kind of give me a rundown. Cause I really haven't paid attention to this at all. Hardly. I know some people got hit in some sort of drone strike and now we're hitting, uh, and they claim essentially that, that, that we're just asserting that the Iran, you know, had some major role in this. Um, and now we're hitting uh, Iranian uh, units in different areas. G- can you give me the rundown on that? And, and I guess, obviously, make sure to, I mean, if you can, just like how does this tie into the Israel-Gaza? I mean, I, I think I know, but just I can spell it out for my audience because, I, I mean, this is very clearly the result of our actions here.
0: Yes, yeah, so the U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria, there's still U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria, mm-hmm. Um, there's 2,500 in Iraq and 900 in Syria. And they started coming under attack, like drone and rocket attack in October in response to US support for what Israel's doing in Gaza. And I was saying the whole time, because, you know, there's been like 160 something attacks now, you know, the whole time I was saying, eventually, Americans are going to be killed. And then the things are going to really escalate. And Throughout that time, the U.S. did bomb Syria and Iraq a few times, nothing major, but they definitely killed some people. So the, the the people who are carrying out these attacks are basically the Shia militias in Iraq, who are Iran's allies, and they're armed by Iran, but there's no evidence, and the U.S. has admitted this, that Iran is actually you know directing these attacks. So it's basically the, the idea that Iran is as responsible for this as the U.S. is responsible for, I guess, what... Israel and Ukraine and stuff. So like if the U.S. has the right to hit Iran over this, then Russia can bomb NATO. That's the logic that the U.S. is using. But anyway, so there's been a few rounds of airstrikes against these militias. And then recently on January 28th, a drone hit a U.S. base in Jordan, a secretive U.S. base in Jordan on the Syrian border that supports the occupation of Syria. It's part of that, you know, in the same area. And it killed three U.S. troops. It kind of slipped through the air defenses. So in response to that, the U.S. said that they were going to target Iran, Iranian military assets in Iraq and Syria. And then this past Friday night, Biden, they launched a bunch of airstrikes, said that they targeted the Iranian IRGC and the militias. Um, but it looks like they they didn't kill any Iranians. They just killed Iraqis and Syrians and about 40 of them, according to the, that's the estimate. It's not really, uh, we don't really know for sure what the number is, but it doesn't look like they killed any Iranians because if they killed Iranians, then Iran might have responded. And, you know, it could mean war with Iran. Like, that's what they're playing with here. Um, so, but there's probably going to be more U.S. airstrikes because the yesterday there was a drone attack on a U.S. base in Syria and six Kurds died. Six of the U.S., the, the U.S. is, they back the Kurdish, this Kurdish militant group in Syria, which lets them control like one third of Syria's territory. It's pretty crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um And so six of them were killed. So I'm assuming that the U.S. is going to respond to that. So there's just this risk of this thing turning into a full-blown war between the U.S. and Iran. And it's pretty clear Iran doesn't want it. But at some point, if they really get hit, you know, they'll do something. And then who knows how that could escalate.
2: Yeah, I mean, hopefully we get like a Soleimani type situation, but I'm not as hopeful I mean, I was I was wigging out when that happened way back when. Yeah, that was uh, close. We, yeah, yeah. I mean, we locked up. It was just like a because at the end of the day, that like people need to realize that these are states, and like they realize whatever perceived legitimacy they have is you know like is to the extent of like prote- something like if they get struck and don't do anything about it, it, it you know undermines their legitimacy in the eyes of the public. That that's not something that's so this idea that we can just go around and bomb the world and have no consequences is silly and I do you did point it out but it is it is kind of ironic that the logic we use to attack Iraq essentially by that logic we are essentially the great evil in the world if you look if you want to follow the money and the the support you know all the different places we've supported even that's without even going down the deep dark rabbit holes I've gone into with Gladio and stuff like that where you look and they were legitimately funding like essentially terror operations to essentially sway things certain ways uh And this is just, I'm just talking stuff that's like, you know, we can talk about in in polite, casual conversation. Uh, But yeah, anyways, is there any other thing uh, before I let you go? Any other major, uh, you know, stuff going on that you feel like my audience should know that's going on? Or maybe major stories you covered that we didn't get to cover here for Let You Go? Because I know we just talked Iran, Israel, and there's, there's, there's a whole... There's a shitload of the world else too that we're, we're kind of not focusing on. Is there any other major things you feel like my audience should be informed of before you get out of here?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been so focused on the middle East lately. Um, of course, Ukraine, you know, that war is still, you know, Ukraine has been really stepping up their attacks, like inside Russia and inside Russian controlled territory using, you know, us weapons. Cause they're losing kind of on the front line. So they're. that's like, there's always a big risk there um but actually i mean really the big thing that i went over today was in yemen because that's a whole nother thing um Mm -hmm. so you have the houthis in yemen who uh started attacking israeli linked commercial shipping in the red sea in protest of what's happening in gaza (laughs) yeah and then (laughs) biden started bombing them and if you know anything about the houthis you know they're like the the taliban not as kind of extreme but in the sense that you know, war is only going to make them stronger. Like the, the U.S. backed the Saudis and the UAE against the Houthis from 2015 to 2022, brutal bombing campaign with a ground campaign. And they just, you know, kind of became stronger. They started being able to hit Saudi Arabia, like pretty deep inside Saudi territory. And that's what made the Saudis uh, get make a peace deal with them. So now Biden's, you know, started this whole new bombing campaign since in, in about a month, they bombed Yemen like almost 20 times now uh and it's just a mess and, and now they're targeting american shipping they're, they're starting to hit american and british ships and um they're actually the u.s is now blocking a peace deal between the houthis and saudi arabia because they're they've been at a ceasefire since april 2022 but it's just a whole mess and this is like biden is choosing to do this instead of just making israel stop doing what they're doing in gaza and you could do that very simply you could just cut them off yeah. israel's dropped like almost thirty thousand bombs on gaza And I'm pretty sure like most, if not all of them are um, provided by the U S like that's how reliant they are on, on Biden. But no, he's just choosing, you know, bomb Iraq, bomb Syria. Don't pull the troops out, bomb, you know, bombs away. It's really insane. Like, I can't believe we're at this point. I didn't think we would get into another big Middle East war because the focus is Russia and China and China. There's a whole buildup going up there, but yeah, things are just really getting nuts.
2: Yeah, actually, one last question, because you made me think of it. Uh, With this, all this going on, and, you know, you kind of got the point of, you know, the idea is like, oh, well, if we just, if we just stop funding them, and in the Part of the reason why they don't, obviously we know there's moneyed interest, there's there's probably other dark stuff going on behind closed doors, that you know, whether it be Epstein stuff, whatever, but at a, at a very surface level, at the very least, we have the accusation of anti-Semitism. Like We just had Thomas Massey, who just voted no one on one and just became this whole big thing about how he's a big anti-Semite, supposedly, because he didn't want to vote for this. Now, I think this is losing its power. Uh, So how do you see this going forward in, you know, uh, you know, big picture uh, for Israel or just the world in general? I think it's a positive development. Uh, I'm of the I'm not. I mean, everyone who knows me knows I have like an offensive comedy show, too. I am not a fan of, uh, oh, but the Holocaust. Oh, I'm a Jew, like whatever. Like, give me an argument. If your argument is I'm anti-Semitic, I don't give a fuck like stop this nonsense i i think it's good we're getting past it because so much so often whether it be anti-semitism or whether it be black lives matter black lives matter whatever it's the the identity becomes this essentially a liability shield is what it becomes a way to deflect any sort of attacks and i think i personally think it's a positive development that we're getting to this point where people are like fuck you i don't give a shit if you think i'm anti-semitic like whatever uh, like so, what what are your thoughts about this going forward? Do you think this is a positive development? I know everyone looks at this the opposite way, or not everyone, but a lot of the the pro uh, pro Israel people will look at this. Oh my God, we have another Holocaust coming. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, no, I do think the that smear of anti Semitism is is completely you know losing its power. Especially, you have somebody like Thomas Massey, you know, who lays out his reasons very clearly. You know, he's worried about spending and debt that's why he's saying he's opposing this. And they call, I forget what he was called or something like a, a vicious anti-Semite or something. And now APAC has been taking out all these ads against him. So I think a lot of people that like Massey, you know, will see those ads and say like, you know, and, and that'll make them kind of question these things and, and, and realize that, uh, you know, the whole purpose of calling somebody an anti-Semite in that scenario is just to avoid, you know, a real conversation about Israel and, and, us support for israel that that's all it is is just to deflect and try to scare people out of questioning it really
2: yeah absolutely uh, Now, like what are your larger thoughts do you think this is what are you how do you think this is going to play out in the world stage in the future obviously i know you're not in fucking nostradamus but just do you think this is a positive development to where like this will maybe make changes because i think I mean so many people aren't scared of it anymore. So it's I, I think once we remove that third rail, now we're at a spot where we actually can make positive developments. Do you think it's I mean, obviously we're going through pain here with Gaza, but do, do you think this works out in the long run or what are your thoughts?
0: I think when it comes to this country, it it definitely uh is in a like a positive direction because you see uh all the polls and stuff, young people, you know, do not, you know, millennials and like Gen Z don't like Israel and aren't falling for it and And that's whether or not they're, you know, on the right or the left, because if you look at older people, it's more, you know, conservatives that are very pro-Israel, but the younger uh, demographic, even though it is kind of, I think it still skews more leftists who are like, you know, pro-Palestinian and don't want to support Israel, but it's really not that much of a difference. So I think kind of going forward in the future, you know, Israel's going to, they have a big, they're losing the PR battle, like. Big time. So I think that's definitely a positive thing that, that could come out of this. And when it comes to the world, the world is not on Israel's side. Mm-hmm. Just really the US and like the UK and yeah, and uh, Uganda, they voted for <laughs> Israel at the ICJ. I mean, they really are, are you know, expending all their uh, international, uh, you know, their standing in the world right yeah. now.
2: I'm going to take a wild guess that some of those Ugandese that politicians took a trip to Lolita Island. But uh, <laughs> either way, uh, let people know where they can find you. I appreciate you, you give me your time. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take questions from people, anyone in the chat after this and kind of vamp for a little while while I wait for Ken to get in here. But let us know where, let my audience know where they can get you at. I uh, appreciate having you.
0: Yes, yeah, so all my writing is at antiwar.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DeCamp Dave and listen to my show. If you're on watching this on YouTube, go over to my YouTube channel, Anti-War News with Dave DeCamp. Subscribe. Uh, it's also in podcast form, wherever you you watch or listen to things, you can probably find it. Uh, but really, that's it. Those are all the main things.
2: I appreciate it, man. Hope to see you sometime soon, or maybe not, because I guess you're a foreign policy guy. So if I have you on, there's probably bad stuff going on. Yeah, that's right. I kind of hope I don't see you on the show anytime soon. But but if if stuff pops off soon, (laughs) if stuff pops off, I'll definitely keep you in mind. And I'm sure it will, considering the world we live in. I appreciate you coming, Dave. Uh, I'll see you sometime soon when shit gets rough. (laughs) All
0: right. Thanks, Thanks, Jose. Take
2: it easy. You too. Bye alright guys like I said I'll take take questions I gotta get something out of the way right now I, I know we're covering dark stuff today really dark stuff we're about to get into satanic uh, you know pedo cults with you know fed connections gets really weird shit also I do want guys hit that like button go share this around too. Uh, this is really breaking stuff we're gonna cover here soon assuming Ken gets in here soon but like I said we're covering dark stuff uh, but you want to get a nice dark roast? Uh, right now, I've, I've been drinking uh, the Electric Boogaloo Roast from Fox & Sons. Fans of No Way, Jose, use code Jose to receive 15% off your order of $30 or more. Orders of $37.99 and over always ship free. This is only in the continental US, www.foxandsons.com. Fox & Sons is just an advertiser. He supports people like me, people like Mark Claire, people people who like to spit that shit, you know, this stuff. Uh, he started it for, to kind of teach his kids about entrepreneurialism and also to honor the times he had with his dad to, you know, who passed on his entrepreneurial spirit. The beans are high quality stuff. I like, like I'm normally a guy who likes to have a little bit of like creamer in mine. I, I drink it like with no sugar, a little bit of creamer. I've been drinking this stuff black. It's delicious. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a guy's not really a coffee snob. Uh, you know let's drink whatever but th- this is this is good stuff I- I'm telling you uh, but definitely check that th- check that out get some of that the order ship fast uh, you know good good stuff with that I got Ken in here let's get into it what's up my bud just in a good time Let me see if I have any questions real quick because uh, I did tell the guys I would take some questions uh, do you think World War 3 is happening I have no idea I hope not did you find any connection to the, with the Satan kid to the LDS church. Uh, I don't know, maybe we'll, I'll keep that in the back burner. If I forget to bring it up, because uh, I feel like it would make more sense to let Ken give his presentation before we give that. I don't recall there being an LDS connection in the article. Maybe there was. And someone says, are you following the red heifers and what do you make of what's happening at El Oxa Mosque? Nope, none of that follows, like I said in the episode I just had, or when I just had Dave Camp, but just on a second ago. I don't follow foreign policy enough as I should. Uh, So the specifics of that stuff, no, I don't. But with that, Ken, I'm glad to have you back under very weird circumstances. um, Yeah, this is one of those stories that I don't even really know how to explain to people without sounding insane uh, (laughs) or be like, and then be like, no, but I swear this is my reputable journalist friend who's covering this. Uh, uh, So let's, can you give a quick summary?
3: I mean as quick as you can, I guess, of what the fuck this story is. Okay. So if you guys saw my story floating around, there's a pretty salacious headline about, you know, this kid who was shot a couple of months ago and his mom just turned up dead a couple of days ago. And now it turns out the kids in a satanic cult. And you're probably wondering like, what the hell does this have to do with me or, you know, the topics Jose generally covers And so let me lay the groundwork for that first. Um, What we're covering here today is a satanic cult called 764. And basically it's a group of, it seems like a lot of like messed up teenagers who like to cut themselves and they kind of try to outdo each other for who's the more extreme Satanist. And, you know, if, if we leave it at that, there's not really much of a, a public interest as far as libertarians are concerned, but it's way more than just fucked up teenagers. Uh, this group is an offshoot of another group called the Order of Nine Angles, which was started by a asset from Operation Gladio in the Cold War, and it, its U.S. organization is headed by a longtime FBI informant. Uh, and moreover, the FBI has been according to its own documents, it's been investigating 764 for more than two years now. But we've had hundreds, if not dozens, of teenage girls being victimized by this chat uh, chat group. Um, so from the public interest or from the libertarian perspective, I'd say, one, the FBI has subsidized this group and is possibly responsible for countless victims. And on the other hand, You know, what's been taking so long? It's a two and a half year investigation and running now. Like, why hasn't the FBI shut down this network? Uh, So we could get into the details. Uh, We're supposed to have another guest, BX. Uh, I think for her safety, she's just trying to lie low. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, she's like the raw intelligence gatherer who is privy to what's going on in these chat rooms has various sources gathering actual screenshots of the fucked up shits that's going on there. She passes a lot of that info to me. And I try to make a story that um, is, I guess, somewhat entertaining might be the bad (laughs) word, but, you know, readable for, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, put it in a narrative.
2: Yes, uh, insane stuff, and I do want to say, I've only noticed one uh, so far, but she, like you said, for safety, uh, there are they are literally on, they were on Twitter, I think a lot of them got taken down, I don't know if they're just in a, in a tailspin right now, or freaking out, I didn't follow the freak out, but for, I know they were making, uh, you know, they were literally threatening to, you know, R-A-P-E her, and her kid, and all sorts of stuff, they threatened to rape me, I don't know why I spelled rape before and just said it outright, but... Uh, I mean, if anyone follows my Twitter, saw that I, uh, I kind of, you know, clowned them a little bit, called them the order of the nine homos. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. If, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't a little bit concerned, although uh, I have kind of looked into some of these people, seen some of their photos. They, everyone I've ever seen has the physiognomy of like a fucking, you know, 14-year-old boy. So I, I'm not genuinely concerned about them physically. But now, you know, as you alluded to, there are fed connections somewhere along the line here. Now, how strong they are, we ne- we'll, we'll probably never really know uh, compl- the full, you know, how, how, how bad that is. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, I think their power, it seems like, comes more from being manipulative little cons, essentially. Um, you know, and they prey on the weak. So I mean, it would be. I mean, don't be surprised. I would say if you know within the next week or so, I get doxxed or something. Whatever. Uh, I, I don't. That would be the kind of shit that I would expect from a group like this. Uh, which I'm not like that concerned. Whatever. Uh, but you know, I'm not concerned too much for my physical safety. But yeah, they do seem to prey on the weak. Uh, it does seem to be like internet stuff because it does. It. it I, the vibe I'm getting is this is mostly like Zoomers. Uh, is kind of like so these like internet savvy people. The kind of idiots that can, you know, see a few different screenshots from, you know, stuff you've done and be like, fucking find your house. Uh, I mean, I live out in the country, you know, with a bunch of other people that are nearby. Everyone has over acre, a bunch of redneck rich fucks. So they'd be retarded to try something. So if they found my address, but not everyone has that situation. Uh, I know some people, you know, live in the city in like an apartment and like, you know, the idea of a random person fucking with you sometime is kind of a fucking nightmare it's not for me uh but anyways i'm just kind of getting that what the vibe of this group is Uh, i don't know before we get into details is this kind of what is your feeling on the dangerousness of them am i kind of making roughly a right estimation what is your feeling like should i be scared uh that i have fucked with this group a little bit i mean just twitter trolling what are your thoughts
3: I wouldn't say so. It's not really an IRL group. It's mostly online. Yeah. They'll get, I, you know, again, I I don't sit in these chat rooms and watch exactly what they do, but it's my understanding. They might get a teenage girl to post some racy photos and then they threaten her, Hey, we're going to tell your mom and dad or put this out there and expose your pictures unless you do more extreme stuff like carve my name in your arm I mean, like the most disgusting thing I've seen so far is they got apparently a little girl to like eat a hamster head. I mean, uh, just awful, awful stuff. As far as you go, I'd say the biggest risk is that they have been known for swatting people. So uh, yeah, maybe (laughs) I guess if you want, you might talk to your local law enforcement and say, hey, I've, I've reported on this group that's known for swatting. I don't even know I haven't done that so uh do you, sir do you have 30 minutes for me to give you the background information
2: for me not, not sound fucking insane
3: Yeah could you read a few articles before? Yeah that might actually get you put on more lists than not if you claim that you're being like gang stalked by Satanists.
2: Yeah Well all right uh I don't know I guess that's a little bit concerning not too much I don't know uh, I mean, fuck. Like, like, I have a gated house. I literally could probably just close my gate, and the local cops would just be like, "Well, shit, gate's closed." Uh, but I don't know. I guess maybe for swatting, that might be a different story. Uh, but I don't know. Whatever. I'm not too concerned. Uh, but either way, a little bit. Uh, as you said, the one of the guys, uh, kind of loosely associated. Well, I guess not loosely. Kind of near the top. Uh, former Gladio uh, operator. Uh, but let's let's start from the beginning, uh, you know, just kind of go from, even the beginning is not really mundane, before we get into the really, really schizo, start from the kind of, you know, what happened. I, I guess I'll kind of say real quick, as you, you know, the video uh, that went viral on Twitter, which is weird that this all, like, led out from this one thing. There's this one video that went kind of viral on Twitter, uh, where, you know, this, uh some kid, uh, I think, got shot by his, I think it was his stepdad. You come to find out later. Uh, and it kind of just looks like a bunch of meth heads fucking around. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, everyone kind of framed it as like he's sick of his bum son. Kind of got into it with him. So then became this like, oh, a lot of people are like, oh, I kind of support his dad. And you are like, oh, you can't shoot someone. I mean, in retrospect, knowing who this guy is, if I knew about it, I would have gave way less of a shit. Uh, but uh, in the sense of like his own safety. Uh, it probably would have been better if the, the data had a little bit better aim. But um, either way, um, so where where do we go from here? I guess that, that's at that point where BX started digging. Um, what happened
3: from there? Yeah, I'll just tell you the story from my vantage point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so BX, yeah, she's been digging on these groups because maybe we'll get into this later. But the Order of the Nine Angles, uh, Jade Parker, that counterterrorism analyst who claimed to identify the pipe bomber, she was a, did some of the groundbreaking research on 09A, and she goes vanishing. So uh, BX and I, we've been you know studying these groups her way more in depth than me. Uh, but yeah, last week she starts telling me that hey, that kid that was shot was a member of the Satanic cult 764. And then she tells me uh, that the mother died, was found dead in a hotel room and the kid posted a video where he discovered the uh the mother yeah discovered i guess would be you know the term we can use for now to avoid defamation but it's a very bizarre video where he's filming his mother's corpse lying uh face up hair covering her uh which is bizarre it looks like somebody did that intentionally uh, and he's like kind of crying but you could tell he's very high at certain points it sounds like he's giggling a little he nudges the corpse but then he like grabs her tit like real like really just dark dark stuff i don't even link to the video in my article out of respect for the dead and and just cuz it's so so disturbing uh so that that was circulating online for the last uh, a week or so and there's a lot of chatter among all these telegram chat groups and all these teenagers that, Oh, the, the, the kid in question, Kyle Spitz, he actually killed his mom and that's the video. This is some sort of satanic ritual. I I don't have a position on that yet, but I I somehow I obtained the phone number for Kyle's father and Friday night, I I called him up and he both confirmed uh, Becca's initial report or BX's reporting that, uh, The mom's dead and the son's in a satanic cult. And we had a a wild, but roughly 15 minute interview where the father is kind of, he kind of sounds in denial. Like, yeah, my son, he hung out with these people online, but he's not a pedophile. He's never actually done anything criminal. You know, that's kind of contradicted by a lot of screenshots we have right now. Um, And uh, he did say one thing curious where he referred to the mother, his ex-wife is being murdered, uh, which was kind of like the biggest takeaway from the interview. I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or he's been online and read so many accusations that it just came out that way. But it was a pretty interesting interview.
2: Yeah, um, I just got a text, uh, by the way, that um, that kind uh, of a brain fart, BX will be joining us in like 10 minutes or so, Hell yeah! Uh, just right. so you know. So I don't know if you want to keep that in mind. Uh, I guess maybe I'll take the second so we can kind of, you know, not get too ahead of ourselves. I do want to make an announcement, and this might be something you're, you're interested in. I've already announced it on Twitter. Uh, the current situation right now uh, with, because I've been allu- alluding to this, A-L-L-U-D-E. I know a lot of people on Twitter got mad at me. I used E-L-U-D-E on accident, and I wrote out a whole big, you know, thread. And then by the time I was done with the thread, you know, you have a time limit for you can edit. Uh, I usually proofread after to to edit anything because there are assholes like you out there in the world. Not you, Ken, but, you know, grammar Nazis. Uh, But, yeah, I spelled it wrong. But either way, um, I am on February 16th. I am currently scheduled to go on Tim Pool's Culture War with uh, Chris Burtman, who is the individual who uh, I interviewed uh, Tanya Yeeke, uh, not too long ago, I interviewed him, uh, I co-host, he co-hosted that, we interviewed her, and he wrote a piece on it, and, and now we will be going to talk to Tim Poole about it, so that'll be interesting uh, how that works out. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on it. Um, if there's any questions, well, now and now will be the time in there. I see someone said, there's a new development. I'll drop some new info when during the question segment for the reporter. I don't know what you're referring to, if there's something new with this story that you're talking about. Uh, I do want to say, uh, bring up, this is one of my patrons, so I am literally financially obligated to bring this up. He said, Ken Silva is a champion. Yes, Ken Silva, he's like my go-to guy. Uh, I, I try to do do be like a BX occasionally, and I'll bring him stuff Uh, because I I know he's good shit. Uh, He also said, say hi, Jose, say it. Hi. I said it. There you go. I mean, you give me money, I'll I'll dance. I'll dance like the puppet I am. Um, But, yeah, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I'm I'm interested to see how that works out with the Yiki thing. This will probably be the biggest audience, hopefully, that's ever really heard this. Uh, So hopefully I don't flub it. Uh, Hopefully I don't get an incredibly skeptical Tim uh, that's kinda what I'm a little bit concerned about but whatever I'll, I'll work with it I'll, I'll, I'll I'm definitely gonna be taking more of a grounded presentation I won't be going right into Gladio stuff uh, you know <laughs> gladio theories I'll probably be sticking more like John Doe to uh, surveillance just facts on the ground stuff <laughs> if people want get, to get a little bit more juicy they could follow my show and get into that stuff later uh, cuz I do think there is something to be said about some of the theories that people put out there uh, and but, yes, I mean, on its face, though, it's damning enough, uh, just the the Yiki story. And I'll probably do my best to try to segue into trying to do stuff as well, because now you have two examples of very, very damning uh, suicides, quote-unquote, that occurred at very convenient times for certain people in power. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, if, there, if anyone has any questions, he said, I don't know why you keep saying Toad, my bud, but, or not that one, uh, but, yes, Toad, he exists. Uh, but, anyways... Uh, I was just trying to vamp a little bit. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ken? If not, we'll, we'll continue with the with the talk. And I just didn't want to get too far ahead before, before BX got in here.
3: Oh, just, uh just Tanya can't make it?
2: Yeah, I was not going to announce that because just logistically, we couldn't make okay. it work. I'm not going to give the details because, I mean, and it's nothing crazy. I mean, I, I just want to be clear. I have no, I'm not like mad at her. She's not mad at me. I'm not, you know, she's cool. Like, you know, I get it. You know, like logistically, it just didn't work. I'm just making sure nobody comes up with crazy things theories on why, uh, or anything, but just logistically it can work. I'm also just not going to put out her, you know, her reasoning. So that's her thing. So, uh, but yeah, no, she couldn't make it just logistically speaking. It just didn't work for her. Uh, but anyway, it would have been really cool, but it, it is what it is. You know, not everyone's able to just, you know, uh, leave for a few days to go yeah. hang out in a random state and, you know, and then you know do that people have real lives and stuff so uh i mean shit even for me like it's not really super easy but it's just like an opportunity so uh, because i I have a real job you know so like i lose money every time i do it and like the boost you get from those shows are something you see way off in the future (laughs) (laughs) like any sort of like financially for sure so yes i uh I lose money essentially every time I do that. So once again, for my patrons, I appreciate you guys. You guys enabled me to do stuff like that. It's times like that to where, you know, every now and then I'll have to pull that money out to kind of, you know, make up for the money I'm losing for doing stuff like that. Because I know everyone thinks you're going to a huge platform. And you're like, well, the money rolls in and all the falls and now your show is huge. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. I mean, you get a boost, you get a boost, but it's like, a, it's more of like you're building, a, building up a, I don't know, a reputation really. It's not, it's right. not like a sudden thing. Uh, but yeah, anyways, yeah, she just wasn't able to make it. So it would have been cool, but I have me and Bert. I'm really trying to angle to get Shane Cashman on there too. Cause that'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I, th- I think it'll be good no matter what. I mean, it's just a crazy story to be bringing to the world. Uh, I think a lot of people in our circles have gone so, you know, so deep down the rabbit hole. You're just like, Oh, Yankee? like, yeah, that's like that's like one one stuff. but for most people they're like, what? And uh yeah, I mean that was me not too long ago. So uh, I mean, I'm still you know rattled by it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying it's not as a uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't may not realize the significance of this. So I just yeah. want to say appreciate to my audience that have made this possible and stuck around and people support me because I may not still have been doing this if that was the case. so but
3: yeah, well, good um, for you, man. you definitely uh, deserve it. I know we. Uh, Well, I'm talking to people who already like you, but when you first had Richard Booth on for like the 10 episode series, people were like, oh, well, why does Jose get to call himself an OKC expert when he just had Richard on? But like (laughs) since then, you've done legitimately groundbreaking work and you push the story forward. So like hats off to you.
2: And I have always been very careful not to call myself an expert, but I still don't. (laughs) I don't know how you feel when it comes to the Oklahoma city bombing or just a lot of stuff in general, the more I learn, the less I feel like I know. And the less I feel confident saying I'm an expert. So, and I mean, I've done plenty of digging articles, different podcasts, interviews, doing my own stuff, multiple books. Like I've listened to the audiobook book of uh, Oklahoma, like Roger Charles's book, like probably three times now. Yeah. I've listened to the series probably 10 to 20 times now. Cause, I work with my hands a lot, so it's like, it's easy. So I just play that series. Right. And, and the way that, you know, Richard delivered that, he's very good at like, now I have that like point, this point, that point. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have that in my back of my head. But yes, I'm not an expert and I don't claim to be, and I probably never will. So, cause I don't, I don't, it would be, I don't know, maybe one day I'll feel comfortable calling myself an expert. And I know a lot of people have given me shit about that. Be like, you should just call yourself an expert. Like, no, I'd be, I don't know. I'd be lying <laughs> to myself. Like I'm not an expert. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring up stuff that's interesting. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not an expert, so I don't know. I mean, is that so, how you
3: feel about this stuff too? Oh, well, we've all got our own comparative advantages. I know you you definitely know a lot more than the Yee-gee story than I do. I think my comparative advantage would be like kind of the broad history. I'm interested in how Pat Con kind of spans spans all the way from Gordon Call to the Charlottesville rally. You could kind of tell a, a long history there, and that's, I guess, what I would say my quote-unquote expertise is i wouldn't call myself an expert either but yeah. Uh, yeah i think it's cool that various people in the research okc area different have different like strains that they're all kind of yeah. tugging on and pursuing
2: yeah hell yeah no for real i uh, yeah uh, but anyways let's get back into this story um you know enough gloating yeah. about that uh i once again, just trying to vamp, but uh let, what, let's get well, into the, what were we going to say? I do have,
3: I guess if we're going to lay the groundwork from Becca, I do have some stuff about how this could tie into PatCon that we could get into let's before she gets into the details. I was just telling you, I'm into the broad history and sure enough, the 764 Satanism does, there is a thread that goes back to PatCon and that is uh, Joshua Caleb Sutter, an uh, infamous FBI informant. I think a lot of people in this space remember the story that broke a couple years ago about an FBI informant that has made over $100,000 uh, in a two-decade span that runs a publishing company for satanic literature uh, connected to the 09A. It's called Temple of Blood. And so essentially, uh, the FBI is bankrolling the satanic literature company uh, by, you know, via the informant that it's paying. Uh, and this ties into Pat Con because Joshua Caleb Sutter was initially a, a member of the Aryan nations in the early 2000s. And he was hanging out with a lot of the people who are in the Aryan nations during the Pat Con era. So it's my contention that he's kind of the missing link that takes us from PatCon into the modern era. So Oklahoma city bombing happens. Pat cons closed down. The Aryan nation kind of fizzles out. It's getting sued by the Southern poverty law center. And there's two main leaders that emerged in the late nineties before nine 11 was August Christ and Morris Goulet. And in the early two thousands Sutter helps entrap, or it could be like a legitimate sting, but he helps put both of those guys behind bars eventually Galay was talking about robbing banks a la the order. Sutter was an informant in the Aryan Nations, got him busted. Uh, then August Christ was the next Aryan Nations leader. And Sutter was uh, kind of friends with him. They do various things. They started like a, a motorcycle FBI front group. It was like the Aryan Nations Motorcycle Division, which was in fact a wholesale FBI front group. Um, And then it wasn't until, I think, like 2012, 2013 that Sutter leaves the Aryan Nation stuff and starts this Temple of Blood uh, related to the 09A, and that carries us to present-day times. I'm pretty sure he's still an active informant that's in these 09A and 764 uh, chat groups. So I I just think from a historical standpoint, it's interesting how you could go from Gladio to PatCon to 764. It's all connected through the same names, faces, players, uh, groups, events. The
2: more you dig into parapolitics, the more everything's fucking connected. It's fucking and crazy. it fucking drives you nuts. You're like, yeah. oh my God. Uh, yeah and I, I, I know there was a point I want to make earlier in our Yiki discussion or OKC in general I, I see myself and Dave Smith says this you know a lot and I, I see myself or try to be essentially a Dave Smith of the Oklahoma City bombing it, I am not in any means an expert on you know anything specifically. Uh, I wouldn't even consider myself an expert on the Yiki stuff. I fuck up stuff on that all the time. But I I know the right people to listen to. So this is why I like you so much. I know that you're great on this stuff and you cover certain angles. And you know, same with Richard. Uh, you know, and I know sort all sorts of people. I've met people through my interviews in this, and I'm able to. I, I feel like that's kind of to some extent my value is that I've gotten good at identifying the people that I need to listen to. Uh, and then I bring them in, and I have discussions with them, and I learn from them. Uh, and I try to do my best to share around the wealth so that they can grow as well, uh, and you know people get, get aware of them. But that's what I do. I do want to let you guys, speaking of knowing good people, I have BX in the background right now. I also have Clint supposed to be here any minute. So I guess I'll, we'll let BX give an intro, and hopefully Clint's there by then, because I don't want to get too far for Clint either. Because, uh, yeah, Clint's going to be kind of the outside man for this. Uh, cause I I did show him the article and he was kind of like what the fuck? <laughs> uh, it, cause he's like, cause he was like, what Satanist J six? Uh, okay, and so I'm I'm really excited to fucking uh, red pill him on that uh, and really get him get him really going down the schizo hole. Cause I mean I love Clint, but you know he does more the like you know the the grounded stuff Uh, but there's like hey man because he he doesn't like to make conjecture and stuff so it's like hey man look at this look at this look at this and you're like okay yep yep satanists they're fucking running shit. but with that let's get bx in here what's up bx how you doing
5: hey sorry i got my time zones all messed up so Mm -hmm. it's my bad
2: Oh, it's all good. Uh, you want to introduce yourself to the audience. You've been on here before, but, you know, to be completely honest, I'm vamping until Clint, Clint gets here. But let, let people know who you are, uh, how you uh, related to this story, or, you know, th- these stories in general. You, you do have a, as Ken has his own, you know, kind of angles that he seems and stuff he likes to cover, you do as well. And then this is kind of, obviously, this is a story where you guys' interests kind of meet, and mine as well.
5: Yeah, are you talking about the are you talking about the Kyle Spitz stuff? This I, I was it's just terrifying. saying, like you're oh kind of yeah. Like I don't even know really yeah. how I ended up meeting Ken, but it was, I mean, on Twitter, somebody had recommended him to me. Um, and I was really following like his his Fed file stuff because like that's like right up my alley. So I was like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff, you know. It seems like you you tend to like meet like-minded people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't remember when I found so like I found Jade. Parker's stuff. Um, I think that I found, I think I first thought I like, I'm looking at my stuff now. Like I first noticed the mention of Jade in June of 2023. And then, um, like it was like later that month at the end of June that I had figured out who she was. And I remember, I remember the first time, like I saw that tweet about January 6th and I was like, like the scope of this thing just expanded like out from under me. Um, and then I remember, looking and looking and spending like days straight trying to figure out how to get to this Google document. And then I remember when I found it, I was like, I knew that it, I felt like it was something important, you know, but it was really overwhelming. And I didn't really know like who to take it to. Cause at the time, like I was even way smaller on Twitter and stuff. And like, I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I meme and stuff. Like I'm actually not a very serious person. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I found my way into this, right? That's how I feel. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> I mean, I just want to like, I just want to meme at terrorists online. Is that too much to ask for? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but it, I mean, ultimately this was like the the crux of like a two year long investigation that started with the Highland Park mass shooting. Um, and um, which that I'm sure you're going to want to hear what I have to say about that when the trial uh, hopefully later this year, the, the trial is going to be, um, going. And so I think people are probably going to have a lot to, a, a lot of interest in that case again.
0: Yeah.
5: Um, because it hasn't been memory hold because there's still a, a trial that's going to happen. So mm-hmm. it's good.
2: So um, you, you yeah.
5: just
3: met Ken like recently?
5: No, it was like, oh, okay. um, well, we've we been, f- we
3: been following each other uh, for a couple years, but we never interacted And then uh, I was investigating a guy named Jeff Scoop, who was the head of the. Is
5: that how you say it? I've been saying Shope.
3: Yeah, no, it's Scoop. (laughs) Shoop. Uh... Well, now
5: I look stupid.
3: (laughs) Well, you were posting some information about him. And uh, I, you know, he's an FBI informant who marched in Charlottesville. I think I emailed you Mm. about for more info, and one thing led to another. And now we're, yeah, investigating satanic (laughs) cults.
5: Yeah, it's crazy how the paths start like it's crazy how like everyone's path starts somewhere and we all kind of make it to the same Point because um Like i've had other people in my dms too that are like, oh my god this jade parker thing just everything clicked Everything clicked once I once I read this once I saw her document every it just put everything together for me I said that's exactly how I felt I felt like i'd been seeing all this stuff and trying to put it together And when I saw this, I was like do she just put it together like I feel like that was like a missing puzzle piece. Um, And so I feel like, but everybody else is kind of on the same paths or on related paths and somehow made their way here. Um, Welcome, I guess, to the reality, weird reality that's like so much stranger than fiction, right? Yeah. Well, I
2: I, I, I was just asking because it made me think you said Fed Files and I was like, Oh, shit. I think maybe in some sense, like in a Twitter sense of like influence from me doing retweets or you seeing this in some sense, I may have had some small influence and make this connection. And now here we all are. I just find that cool <laughs> of how these things work out because it is like, yeah, yeah Ken's, Ken's kind of been like one of my go to guys for a while. i fall the shit out of his work. Uh, we have similar interests, and yeah, and then I came across you, the same thing, and now here we are. And let's get Clint on this same page. We have Clint joining us. What's up, my friend? Are you ready to go full schizo? Uh, I,
1: I I was born schizo. I was raised in the schizo. I'm ready to go full schizo. Let's go schizo.
2: All right, you. I'm gonna have you're taking kind of the perspective of the person just kind of jumping in here. Uh, just ask questions as you see fit of like what the fuck is going on. Uh, we already kind of got Ken's perspective of how this started. Uh, BX's is gonna be a little bit different, obviously. So BX, I just kind of want to get your from how this started. Uh, I mean, I guess you can take this wherever you want, whether starting, because there's multiple starting points. Obviously, you can mm-hmm. start with the Jade Parker stuff, or we can get to that later. I mean, you can start with the Spit stuff and how it, you know, coalesced from there. Uh, yeah. Your choice.
5: Well, it's all kind of related. I mean, again, yeah, it's all kind of connected. But, you know, my path again started with investigating some mass shootings. Um, I ended up finding out that this person, Jade, who's a friend of a person I thought was my friend, but ended up being kind of a strange character. But um, it turned out that, she was also investigating the same mass shooting i didn't know who she was at the time i just thought okay someone named jade right um but then later on as things got a little bit spookier and weirder kept getting stranger and stranger and i found out that the person who'd referenced jade was basically like a an ngo not not like a fed but you know like a person who's working for one of these ngo threat assessment groups and i didn't realize it at the time Um, And then I found out who Jade was and I found all of her documents and stuff online, which again was like, I thought that was full schizo, but no, it got, it got worse Um, (laughs) because the interesting connection that Jade had made that nobody else has made, which I hadn't even made this connection, um, was that she believed that the satanic group order of nine angles had a lot more role to play in January 6th. Um, than um, you know, and nobody had talked about this. I've not seen this anywhere else. So to me, that was really eye-opening. Like, oh, like this is something new, something that like nobody's talked about. Maybe we should explore it a little bit more. And it also made sense to me because I'd been seeing these connections that she had been putting together. And so all of a sudden things just made a lot more sense when you were looking at it from what she was putting out there. And I think that I posted something on your tweet earlier. It was a clip from her uh, document. And it was the article she wrote called Order of Nine Angles, a sinister, elaborate ruse. So um, that one always stuck with me, right? Because she has this uh, message she sent to somebody that was like, everybody's always talking about this like spooky cult. But really, that's not quite right. It's actually not really a satanic cult. It's really a group of Ex- uh, terrorists, right? Terrorists who are trying to sow chaos and trying to exploit people and trying to, um, you know, sow discord into the, our political systems um, in order to try to facilitate basically the collapse of the West. Um, I thought it was very interesting, right? Whether or not she, she actually knew who the Capitol uh, Hill bomber was, right? Whether or not she even knew that, I don't know, th- I don't claim to know that, right? Because she never actually said who that person was. But regardless, he's a very interesting lead. And I think that her theory that she's presented is very interesting. It's uh, at least worth like looking into, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, real quick, because I know Clint did just pop in here. Ken, I don't know if you want to do it again, because you 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 may, this is kind of like, I think your angle a little bit. Just you want to give Clint a quick rundown of what the order of nine angles are, just kind of their background. Because I know we talked about it early, but I, I think... Uh, this will kind of blow his fucking mind and maybe give him a better idea of what this order of nine angles even is. Because uh, it is, to me, it, it seems like, I mean, obviously, this, I'm not asserting this, that the very tippy top, it's feds, and then they just have sinister cunts kind of at the bottom. You know, like I, I said earlier, people with the physiognomy of like a 14-year-old boy that like bullying girls and, you know, get off on the power uh, and just like being edgy boys. Uh, and I And this, obviously, they're being manipulated from the top. Uh, you know, I, re- give I,
1: read your quick I read Ken's article. Was that your article that I read, Ken?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay. for uh, Thanks a lot for taking the time to read. I, I guess I'll just piggyback off of what BX was saying. And like, yeah, it's not really useful to think of 9 a as a Satanist group. I think the Satanism is kind of like uh, edgy aesthetics. If we could substitute Satanism, use the word accelerationist. Uh, these people just want to accelerate the collapse of the West and they'll infiltrate any group uh, to do that. Whether it's like a black lives matter type group, a proud boys, uh, radical, like Al Qaeda offshoot, they'll, they'll ingratiate with themselves with uh, any group. Are they American and,
1: uh, people? Are they all American?
3: It was, we
5: don't know. Okay. <laughs> it,
3: it was started by somebody in the UK who was actually uh, asset of Operation Gladio. This person was in a British militia in the 70s called Column 88, which uh, I'm taking this, by the way, from William Ramsey's uh, book called Global Death Cult. Uh, So Column 88 was a neo-Nazi paramilitary organization led by a former special forces officer. The ostensible purpose was In case the Soviet Union invaded Europe, you could activate these militias, but they pretty much just terrorized their own populations instead. And uh, the guy who eventually infiltrated 9 a and turned it into the group that it is today, we think his name uh, is David Mayad, And he was part of this column 88 in the 70s. And uh, so the group, I guess it was what, uh, BX could correct me if I'm wrong, but it was just, I guess, meeting at pubs or circulating newsletters throughout the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Then things get interesting in the U.S. when a guy named Joshua Caleb Sutter starts an offshoot called Temple of Blood. Uh, And the interesting thing about that is that Sutter is a longtime FBI informant. Uh, He runs a satanic publishing company uh, in South Carolina, So in other words, he's made over $100,000 as an FBI informant, which means that the FBI is bankrolling the publication of uh, satanic literature. And like BX referenced to this this group, they'll infiltrate other groups like the Proud Boys or Patriot Front and try to edge them to violence. Uh, They've been involved in numerous terrorist plots. So there were some 09A-affiliated people who were in the 2017 charlottesville unite the right rally uh so all that leads me to believe that yeah there's something here in terms of the connections between 09a and january 6th
1: wow <laughs> <laughs> that is a fucking crazy story i mean yeah. when you start off by going down the gladio route and then you're like yeah. and now we're all the way up to j6 i'm like you have my interest sir <laughs> um, yeah so i don't have any questions at this point other than to say like why why is it that this i i This group has never been reported on as far as I know until you three.
5: I mean, I guess it has a little bit, but it's become more fringe kind of counterterrorism publications and not like academia and not nearly so much people, um, you know, putting it out there into the mainstream. And my theory is that like, you know, I think a lot of times people are really quick to kind of just and I think that this is the advantage of anything. Satanist is that people are Mm -hmm. so quick to go. What are you talking about? Get out of here. And that's very advantageous to somebody who wants to use this kind of aesthetic um, to um, to do these kinds of operations. It's because people don't believe it, right? They think it's crazy.
2: Yeah, they call it satanic panic yeah. and they move on.
1: Yeah. But, but what I don't understand, though, is like, it's a pretty compelling tale, you know, whether or not you buy it, it would still seem as if there would be journalists out there, aside yeah. from you guys, that would be like, yeah, this is a story that we're gonna run because it's very fucking interesting. And that's what? not happening. So I think another
5: reason is that, you know, like while the O-9A has been kind of referenced by the FBI in certain like situations, um, it's again, it's stayed very fringe and they haven't ever done anything that's been attributed to them, like a major terror attack or anything like that. They've flown under the radar mostly. Right. And according to Jade, the reason that that's happening is because they're not doing things as O-9A they're going and infiltrating a white a white supremacy militia and making it look like the white supremacy militia committed that mass shooting or whatever right um and so you know they're, so they're kind like of sinister yeah basically yeah i, I think um, you're also
2: might be underestimating the effect of the satanic panic era that you know now we i think any any what per, want to perceive themselves as a reputable journal at least you know mainstream wise may steer clear from this. Like, you you look at stuff like uh, Epstein, or uh, I don't know, like the McMartin thing, or uh, the Franklin scandal, and look at the, the, the actual journalists that cover these sort of stuff, they're few and far between, and they usually experience great grief for this and I mean it's not until the long term like someone like a Nick Bryant that like really kind of starts getting the recognition that they Sort of deserve for covering these sort of things and I think that probably applies just as much to the satanic stuff Especially since so often there typically is like pedophilia type stuff related. So it is the most like Third rail like what this is insane who would, satanic like
5: pedophiles? Even... Sure. Yes.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Alex and, Jones like, uh, has
1: been talking about that for years. Yeah, and no, yeah. And, no, and no
2: one reputable usually sense. took him seriously yeah. up until I guess kind of more so now. So, but I've never yeah. even
1: heard Alex Jones reference 9 A. So that that's what's interesting to me is just mm. how how not talked about at all this this organization is. Um, did the did the young man that got shot by his stepdad is he is he in custody? What, what's uh, what's the latest?
5: Um, well i i don't think so i don't think he is at this moment and there's a lot i can't i there's a lot i have to be careful about but um yeah so that's interesting because so what what he's part of is called um it's called this like 764 harm nation kind um there's several different names they go by but basically it is a satanic pedophile cult where um so they is it,
1: is it not affiliated um, with with this 9 a
5: According to um, Ali Winston with the, guard, with the Guardian, I think, he's the one who trove who through all of the court documents related to um, the 764 arrest. And um, the FBI, I guess, has claimed that it's an offshoot of the 9 a So um, it's kind of like if you want to dig into the theory of 9 a right? what they actually do is they, they use what they call opfers, which is kind of like a, a human sacrifice, but it's really a patsy. Right. Sort of like I was saying, like they go into these white supremacy militias and they goad people into committing acts of violence. And that's what they take pride in. They take pride in manipulating other people to do nasty, awful things for them. And so the chatter around 098 Twitter, I guess, is that these 764 guys are well, they're divided. Half of them think that they're opfers that somebody put out there to do their sinister work or whatever corny shit. Um, and then the other half think that they're all, that they're intentionally like, you know, thrown out there to kind of discredit the 9 a and make them look bad, which I don't think, I don't even think that our government would stoop to that. I don't, I mean, I'm not there yet. Uh, <laughs> because well, this, can, can this you is clarify so nasty. What an op,
1: opfer is, it sounds like yeah, operational or something like,
5: uh, And that's just a word they use, but it's like an offering like or like a patsy, right? Like So like if they go into like a chat room and they find a vulnerable autistic kid somewhere and they say, this kid's mad at his classmates, um, let's get him to go, you know, let's see what kind of ideology we can can indoctrinate into him to see if we can. And that's their offer. And that's like a a thing they do as part of an initiation and part of their like um, rite of passage into like higher levels of the group. Do do we know
1: how they communicate? Is it just Twitter?
5: No, no. There's, I mean, probably chat rooms, telegrams. We see them mostly on Telegram. Um,
1: Do we we have any idea how many members there are?
5: I don't know. I think it's all pretty vague, right? Right, Ken? Have you heard anything else? Like, I've heard some places say, oh, there's only a few hundred in the world. And then I've heard other places say there's like a few thousand. And then there's what we see personally on Twitter. And then, you know.
3: Yeah, it's hard to tell what yeah. are the, uh, the bots and what are the actual right. Uh, right. the people.
1: Yeah, well, and it could be burner accounts. One person right. could be 10 yeah. of them. Who knows?
5: Exactly. Yeah. No. Okay. Just yeah, tra- I'm just
1: trying to get a like a grasp of the scale yeah. of the issue here because like, I don't know if we're talking about a, a few dozen knuckleheads or if we're talking about a real fucking organization.
5: Yeah, think, and that's start- so...
2: Oh, I think once you start digging into, I mean, I've done, I by no means consider myself an expert in this topic whatsoever, but I've done a little bit digging into like the satanic panic, like fed connections and stuff. And like, I think once you start realizing like how these things move, they always transfer, you know, it's like temple set becomes this thing, this becomes that thing. And when you see kind of like the people, you like the Aquino's or whatever, the Michael Aquino's and like these people that glow like the sun, you know, much like a, what was it Sutter in this case, <laughs> uh, you see these people people it's kind of like it just keeps transforming and i mean if you have an edgy satanic cult how easy it is just to be like well we're not temple <laughs> of set we're now fucking uh the baphomet uh baphomet social club uh, you know like it's yeah. it's just kind of playing with whatever it can be moved around but at the end of the day like i mean we're we're pretty good at pattern recognition. I think in this room here, uh, you can kind of see, you know, the writing on the wall and realize that like, Oh shit. Like I'm of the opinion that like MK ultra entered the cults essentially. Oh yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah.
5: Um, I was going to say about the seven, six, four thing though. I think what's interesting for me is that before seven, six, four came onto the scene, which was only, I mean, the FBI says they've known about them since what, like September, 2021. Um, But it wasn't until about 2023 that we started to see this kind of really grotesque, horrific stuff in Discord servers more and more frequently. And by horrific stuff, I mean, obviously, like child exploitation, um, grooming people to, you know, cut like self-harm, kill their pets, uh, just awful stuff, right? um and uh we started thinking like man what is going on well when we finally got the fbi announcement it was an fbi bulletin that was like hey we've you know we want to bring the public's attention to the 764 group uh self-harm you know they use satanic kind of imagery and they're getting kids to self-harm they're grooming kids to you know sexually exploit them etc well and at the time, we were like, oh, wow, this is a huge development, right? Because they're saying this is an offshoot of O9A. Now they're no longer these spooky shadow people. Now they're like out there actually actively harming kids. But I think what I've noticed over this past, like last week, which is the first time that I've actually seen them in the open, because before we were, we were keeping our ear to the ground and listening for mentions and kind of just looking into it, but they came out. I mean, they came out, right? And you know, they, threatened, they threatened Jose this morning, which I took personally. Um you know, I'm gonna get raped, guys. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, they did threaten me like in a pretty sinister way, too. Um, which was a little more scary. But at the same time, now that we're looking into these guys, you start to notice that um like they're kind of nerds, like little young, like 17, 18 year old kids, right? And they're just being we're like like kids said, like they're being edgy, right? Um, and they don't, they're different than the the Niners that I've encountered. With the, with the O9A guys, they've been very, like, emo, goth kids, like, talking in, like, you know, I don't know, how would you, like, gothic-speak and uh, re- referencing the propaganda, the literature of O9A a lot. And really diving into the occultism, and they're very, almost like, like academics when it comes to that philosophy. And it's, then you got these 764s who are just thugs. There's criminals. So it's definitely a dichotomy there. All
2: right. Do you guys want to get into the spritz stuff and just start working out from there? I know, Ken, we had worked up to where we were about to talk with the interview with the dad. Uh, I mean, I don't know if, if BX, if you feel like there's anything you want to, you know, any exposition you want to get to from your end before we get to that part of the story. I know, I believe you guys interviewed him together or something along those lines, or I'm not no, sure. No, Ken,
5: do- Ken did all that. Oh, okay, okay, I just right, heard right. it after the yeah. fact. But. Um, okay. And I was able to like hear some of the things he was saying and go, whoa, that's a lie. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Um, But um, so how I found out about this Kyle Spitz thing is like, I saw the viral video a couple of weeks ago and I didn't even think anything of it, I was like, eh. But then because we have our ear to the ground and because we're monitoring the landscape for mentions of the 764 thing, that's when I started to see his name popping up and it turned out his victims were screaming it into the ether, no one was listening to them. But help us, help us, help us, like get eyes on this guy. He's exploited my child, like, you know, he's extorting me and all this crazy stuff. So at that time, I reached out to a couple of the victims and offered my help, like, you know, can I help you connect with like law enforcement resources, you know, that kind of thing, because a lot of times victims like they don't know what to do. They, they just, So they just start yelling online or they call the police frantically and give them tons of information they can't use. And they, they end up not listening to them. Right. So sometimes they need somebody to like do it for them or help them out with that. So that's what I kind of tried to do. Um, and at the time, those victims told me that they'd all been uh, contacted the police. The police were investigating it. So I assumed that it was under control. Um, well, then a couple weeks later, I get a confidential source who sends me these videos from a telegram group of what really appears to be the aftermath of a murder. Um, I mean, it was such an alarming video. I don't know how any law enforcement could look at that and be like, yeah, it's normal behavior. Like (laughs) that was not normal behavior. It was very, very bizarre and strange. There was a lot of blood, Um, a lot of sick, sick stuff that he was saying um, in these servers, a lot of, like I said earlier, like uh, evidence of him grooming these girls and stuff. So. I called the Tennessee Fusion Center, which is like the way the FBI connects to the local. Um, And I was like, hey, I have this like stuff people sent me and I think it might be evidence of a murder, (laughs) you know, Um, because I didn't know if like maybe they had sent it to the police, but I didn't know if they sent it to the right the right person. Right. So I sent it to the Fusion Center and. um, and yeah, that's when things got, just got a little crazy because the victims asked me to, to make, make a tweet about it. And I just made sure that every, so I researched it a bit, made sure everything was correct and true um, and that I had already kind of sealed the deal, given everything I could to the authorities. And then I put that tweet out. And then, the, I mean, that's, that's what happened, basically. I, the, they immediately threatened to rape my child. Um, and they immediately started trying to dox me and hack me in a really malicious way, apparently. Apparently, that's a very real thing, this EVR business, um, which is kind of scary, yes? Um, so anyways, then after that, you know, I got contacted by law enforcement, and now I kind of have to, like, chill.
2: <laughs> but yeah. All right, Ken, you want to get into the interview? Because you, you contacted dad and kind of confirmed a lot of the suspicions that some people were having.
3: Yeah, sure. So, all of you know, BX's tweet was obviously very intriguing, but I can't just take her information, you know, without trying to verify it myself. So, I contacted police in Knoxville to actually confirm that the mother was indeed dead. And they not only did they confirm it, but they told me there's still an open investigation into the cause of death. Which really kind of kicked me in full gear. I'm like, okay, this is this is a big story. The police aren't just going to tell you that you know we're investigating this bizarre death, unless. But they
5: told me that she committed suicide.
3: Yeah, I didn't mention
5: that, but like got
3: that through the fusion center, and I was talking to a communications officer. So it's interesting that the right hand doesn't know what the left (laughs) hand is doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So after that, I, I managed to get the father's phone number. And I just called him because uh, this was a big story in the news because the kid got shot last August and the, the viral, the video of him getting shot went viral. So like he's this very quasi celebrity status, I guess. Uh, I called the dad and I think he expected me to kind of, you know, go down that thread. Just, you know, the fact that the kid was shot by the mom's boyfriend and now the mom is dead, too. But I asked him about whether Kyle was in the satanic cult 764. And he, he confirmed that to me. And then he denies that his son is a pedophile or does anything actually bad. He just apparently likes to hang out with pedophiles online. <laughs>
5: totally um, normal.
3: Yeah. And, and so the most interesting part of the interview was probably where he, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or what, but he said Kyle did not have anything to do with his mother's murder, you know, keyword murder. He didn't say his mother's death. And that was, you know, that's obviously sets off (laughs) a lot of red flags. And I guess the other most interesting part of the interview is he at the very end, he's like, please, you can't use my name because I'm a security contractor. I have a a secret clearance with a, a military contractor in Virginia. And we already know via LinkedIn, his, his, the mother's LinkedIn profile said that she worked for Lockheed Martin. So disturbed child of two security clearance holding contractors with drug problems. It's just a, a very dark and disturbing story. Just I guess I'll throw in the caveat. We don't have any proof that the mother's murdered at this time. So, you know, we'll, we'll treat it as such. But it, there's certainly some s- disturbing facts.
1: Just a steel man with the you know, the fa- the father's position or the husband's position, whatever, um, you know, th- the rumors are that she was murdered. So for him to say that she wasn't murdered, maybe he's just framing it, you know, defensively against the allegations that are floating around out there. I I don't know.
5: It's possible. I, I I still remember, though, when Ken messaged me, it was like, oh, my God, because he listened <laughs> back because we both listened to it and missed it the first time. Right. It wasn't until you were like transcribing it or whatever that you like saw it and were like, hold on, <laughs> murder. Um, yeah, that, that's
3: exactly right. And he made a couple of contradictory statements throughout the interview that suggests to me that he wasn't totally being forthright. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, we're texting back and forth late at Friday night. I guess journalism tip, by the way, if you're calling these people, do it on a Friday night when they're drunk and they're actually going to talk to a reporter, uh, but he he's texting me and he's denying that Kyle did anything. And so I, I sent him a screenshot of what was uh, blood on the wall with all this weird Satanist iconography and 764. And I'm sorry, Kyle, it's, it was written by a girl who Kyle got allegedly got her to cut herself and write all that in blood so i send that to the father he goes okay well my son's not perfect he got into some bad things but he's not he didn't murder his mom and he's not a pedophile so like after um another contradiction he said was that oh i've I've seen the autopsy report the body's been taken to the funeral home it was a heroin overdose and i'm not a good interrogator but i already had the information That the police told me it's an open investigation, which directly contradicted him. I call him back. I said, well, you told me it's a heroin overdose, but the police are telling me it's an open investigation. And he tries to demur and say, oh, well, it's a a paperwork issue. They're going to announce it as an overdose any day. It's just a matter of, I guess, the right bureaucrat rubber stamping it. So those are just several anomalies and uh, contradictions that I I found while talking to the guy.
5: Well... It's and true I think that, that there was
3: blood all over the sheets. Yes, right?
5: that's the biggest one to me. Was that the amount of blood there was? Okay, someone died right here, right? It wasn't a survivable amount of blood. I don't think. I mean, I'm not like a forensic anal- analyst, but anybody could look at this scene and be like, you know, that's just a tiny little bit of it. That's like maybe a tenth of the whole, the whole thing, right? Um, I mean, the blood, w- the bed was covered in blood. Um, and, uh, when Ken first asked him, like, well, he said, oh, she died of an overdose. Well, he said suicide. And then he said overdose. He kept interchanging those two things, which is also strange. Um, and, um, and then Ken goes, well, what about all the blood, you know? And he goes, at first he said, oh, that's because Kyle took pictures of this other, the, the, when his mom's boyfriend shot at him. He's like his mom's boyfriend killed himself afterwards in a SWAT standoff. And Kyle took those pictures and put him next to it to make it look like the same situation, which I still have never seen those pictures. So I I, so Ken goes, well, but it's in a video. There's a video, sir. You know, we saw the blood right next to her body. Like and then he goes, oh, actually, she had liver cirrhosis and she just threw it all up. So it was just really bizarre. And like he was just. He was struggling He's, on he, that.
1: He should have called his attorney and not answered yeah. a fucking single question from you guys, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. What a what a terrible job.
3: <laughs> um yeah, for a, a I, secret secrets uh clearance holder, that's bizarre behavior for sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah
5: and then he threatened you. He's right? Kind of like Yeah. So. Well,
1: what, what was the uh the kid that got shot? Um do, like there was a lot of blood pouring out of him. Do we know where he got shot? Cause he got the, shot
5: in the ear. They stitched oh, it, it the up. Ear. Yeah. Okay. It was no big deal, but <laughs> I think, you know, um,
1: BX is a gangster. Just he got shot in the ear. No big yeah. deal. I Go mean,
5: ahead. this kid, consider, it if you, if you've seen, I guess some of the stuff I've seen in the past few days, which is more brutal and egregious than anything I've ever seen in my entire career, investigating this kind of stuff. And I've been a child advocate for a while. So I've seen some heinous things. But this is just so graphic and disgusting and horrific and violent. There's such a violent component to it that I guess maybe him bleeding a little out of his ear to me is like, meh considering what he's done to these kids, you know,
1: out of of curiosity and I'm certainly not going to look it up, but where are you seeing these things?
5: So um, there was a telegram group that was started um, to kind of dox Kyle, I guess, and to, you know, to try to reveal everything that was going on, Um, but also on Twitter. So when we found his Twitter account, which he was responding to the name Kyle and his victims were screaming at him and he was just like, sort of like, you know, being a dick. So we figured out that's his Twitter account. And he's linked to some of these other bigger Twitter accounts like Harm Nation official Twitter account, I guess. And their videos that they have, I mean, they're... Like I don't even want to talk about it on air, honestly. Um, but you know, is it, is it torture women, of human
1: beings? You don't have to like, get real they're, specific.
5: they're basically extorting and or like grooming girls to like carve their names into their into their bodies, satanic symbols into their bodies, write with blood, kill their pets, decapitate animals. Um, Yikes. Yeah, uh, a lot of animal abuse, a lot of just blood and really sick, awful stuff.
1: Is there is there a, an overarching thesis uh, beyond chaos? Is there some sort of political philosophy uh, aside from the accelerationism?
5: For this group, no. It just appears to be a bunch of people extorting kids to harm themselves. Now, there's been allegations that they're selling this material, which definitely makes sense on the dark web, especially if it's child exploitation material. So they're possibly making money for somebody. I don't know the de- I don't know any more than that. Like I don't know beyond that.
2: I mean, we can go full schizo and like go. I can point out that how the parallels between so much of this and like MK Ultra disassociatives type stuff. Uh, but obviously, that's getting very speculative. But it, I mean, you'd be. I feel like you'd be remiss if you didn't notice some of the parallels. I mean, obviously the uh, the security c- contractor parents. Uh, you know him. The obviously all the, the 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 abuse stuff, the murdering your your kid. It's like almost. It just seems like MK Ultra, but in the technological age is how it feels like to me. Uh, you know, kind of spreading that out. Obviously, I mean this probably this is a little bit of a loose tie, but with some of uh, BX's you know looking into like school shooters and stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean that's. I mean they're right there. I mean that's. What, what were they doing with MK Ultra? a lot of times is kind of, you know, or what we presume is kind of making Manchurian candidates, killers, whatever. Uh, so, I mean, it kind of plays out in different ways. Uh, and then obviously there's other stuff going on, like possibly, you know, selling child porn or even deeper, darker stuff, I'm sure that we don't know of. Uh, you know, I, who knows how deep that, that, uh, <coughs> that goes. But, I mean it's hard not to bring up the the parallels.
5: And I would say that like looking at this from a completely rational, like, you Mm -hmm. know, non-schizo perspective, even as somebody like the, the way I kind of got interested in all this is because I was very fascinated with cults, like my whole life. In fact, I've, even infiltrated a cult as part of like a, an investigation for a client once and so I've always been very interested in cults And this um what I started noticing the more you study cults the more you see them everywhere right the more you realize that people's behavior online within social political groups are very cult-like and you start to see these parallels right and so it's not just that Ultra, like we we got those techniques a lot of them from the Germans from the Nazis right Um, And then, you know, it's not just, in my opinion, it's not just like intelligence agencies out here doing all this. Like other people know how to do that, too. Terror organizations, ISIS uh, really perfected this strategy when they were, um, you know, radicalizing people online with the virtual caliphates when they when they started their own, like, you know, online systems. And really just they really perfected online radicalization. And then that was utilized now by... Yeah, and it's utilized by other countries too to attack us, and well, so the there's, scope there's of this lot, is huge.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to be said about, you know, where ISIS got those techniques, though. Yeah, given, for sure. Given their funding and their origin story. <laughs> I could talk so, about that
5: for a long time, but
1: yeah, Mi6, CIA, who knows? But um, you guys have studied MK Ultra a lot more than me. Has there has it ever been proven out that they can actually mind fuck people enough to get them to be active shooters and things like that? I know there's a lot of a lot of a lot of examples that we think that may have happened, but it has has there ever been any like hard proof of it?
2: Uh, I mean, well, obviously they wouldn't claim that, but go on BX.
5: Well, yeah, there's uh, so there is a lot of um, of evidence, especially regarding hypnosis um, and the use of uh, like, for example, the, the Cameron, uh, you and Cameron stuff from um, the Montreal Institute in Canada right, which is where they were doing this really sick stuff to people who would come in with mental problems. They would like strap them to the bed for weeks at a time and give them like really extreme electroshock, um, sensory deprivation, what they called psychic driving, where they would like put something in their pillow that would say the same phrase thousands, tens of thousands, millions of times, right? Um, They would give them all kinds of drugs. And just like, you know, in fact, uh, the Canada just, uh, there's still a bunch of people who are suing, the CIA and the Canadian government, um, and they put a gag order on them so they couldn't really get loud about it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there was a ruling on it recently where they said that they couldn't sue the CIA. But anyways, this did happen factually, right? And then yeah. the the strategies, the tactics that they used there were basically um, like rolled over into the Kubark manual for the CIA, which is what they use for enhanced interrogation techniques and in like Guantanamo, like waterboarding, sensory deprivation, all this fucked up stuff they did to try to get people to like talk and stuff, right? So a lot of these tactics have been very, very um, extensively studied and utilized in operations and stuff.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I know some of that, but the really the question I'm asking is like, there's no doubt in my mind that you can absolutely drive someone insane with these sorts of like psychological tools and you know, saying the same shit over and putting drugs into their system. What what the, the dot I've never seen connected. Is that can you then, once you've broken this person down and made them into a shell of themselves or totally out of their fucking minds, can you actually weaponize them? Can you actually turn them into a tool that can be, you know, activated at your beck and call? I mean, are you asked for like
5: a study or something? No, I don't know about that. I mean, I've seen it personally.
1: Has there ever been leaks or anything that actually proves out? our thesis that like MK ultra, like that, that was the goal of MK ultra, right. but I've never, I've never seen any reports that have been declassified or anything like that, that go like, yeah, we got this dude. He did that. I think so, if
2: you're looking for laser guided MK ultra victim and that it does every single thing that you want, or is like a perfect automaton of your will, I think you're going to come up short, but I, I think it's probably a little bit more complicated than that. It's more about uh sophisticated ways of manipulating people to ward
5: your ends. Right. You yeah. Know. Sure. I would say, and I have a lot of theories about this because I've researched MKUltra and I've read all the CIA, all the subprojects. I mean, I've, lo- I've read all of them. Um, that MKUltra wasn't really just a mind control experiment in the sense that they were trying to create a Manchurian candidate, which is kind of what you're talking about. The Manchurian candidate program was actually uh, Project Bluebird, which was the precursor to MKUltra. Um, but MKUltra was an expansive, I think, 137 or so subprojects that we know about. Because we found the financial records that they forgot to burn, right? They burned all the records everywhere else. But then in like like a decade later, someone found a box in the accounting department. So really all we had Oops. were these records that showed how much money they gave to each subproject, and plus like a little abstract and some summaries, but we don't know the outcomes. We don't know the outcomes. We'll never know the outcomes of those projects because they yeah. were destroyed by Ed Helm. There, so well, there, um, there
1: you go that was that, that was basically the question yeah. i was asking is like right.
5: the proof was destroyed and everybody associated with it is dead so
1: well assuming that they haven't you know just rebranded it and started it all up again which right they probably assuming, have.
2: yeah
1: yeah
5: <laughs>
2: yeah uh, all right uh, that all right one point i think maybe we should point out maybe you have some more to say on this ken uh, this guy the the father claims that uh the, the son got into this stuff through some older lady. Do you have anything more to add to that, or was he just really vague on that?
3: Oh, yeah, no, he gave me a specific name. Uh, I'm hesitant to say the name because I haven't reached out to her for comment, but she's a very... Uh, I identified her in my article as Tara, and her... if At some point, we'll release the name once I try to talk to her, but I want to be fair to her and give her a chance to respond, but a very public name who appeared in like a 2016 article about revenge porn. And she was featured in the article as the victim uh, of revenge porn, uh, which I found very odd. It was like in Forbes or something uh, when I looked up the exact name. And then this was right around the time that she would have met Kyle and supposedly groomed him, took him out to Washington state and introduced him to all these online chat rooms and uh, the, the satanic rituals and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, at, th- at this point, I probably won't say anything more than that, but we do know who it is.
2: Okay. And so the idea was that she essentially groomed him and she was 20 years a senior. I don't know what, if he said at what point they took up the relationship, uh, but I know. He was once...
3: 18 uh, and it okay. was around 2018 where right yeah. when, the two parents were getting a divorce, uh, for whatever that's worth, I guess the father tried to paint it as a case of, uh, they didn't give their baby boy enough attention. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's how he would say it.
2: All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, there's probably some schizzo stuff I could bring up there, but uh, I'm not going to. Uh, but what other main things do you think people should know about this story? I mean, obviously, we could keep going and go into some of the specifics of some of the 76409A stuff. There is a lot. Uh, for example, you brought up Kalana Limpkin, who got busted for child porn, sexual extortion, trafficking, animal cruelty, and self harm of minors. Uh, that was one of the ones uh, What do you guys is there any other major points you guys want to bring up about this story?
5: There's so much I want to bring up, but um, <laughs> it's gonna I, I would say like this has probably been one of the most stressful weeks of my entire life. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm doing all right. I took up drinking. Have you guys tried it? It's pretty it's great. Nice. Sometimes, um, yeah. I'm just kidding kind of but like no, it's been super stressful for me because as you know, Right after I broke that story, I started to get threats, which I didn't know if they were that credible or not. Yeah, some edgy kids online, but um, law enforcement is taking them very, very seriously. So there's a lot that I – there's a limit to what I can actually even say right now about, like, what's happening right now. Um, but, you know, there are precautions around my environment, <laughs> um, and I'm being very cautious. Um, so – yeah i wish i could talk more i'm sure i will be able to eventually hopefully
2: yeah it seems like we're gonna probably reconvene uh uh, who knows how long whether it's months or years but and and have a a big talk probably sometime soon but uh ken any other final closing thoughts on this Uh, is there any major aspects of this you feel like we should cover that we that i you know breezed over Uh, you tell me
3: Uh, i guess the one point that i think i mentioned it when it was just me and you but Clinton wasn't here, and I don't think BX was either, is that the FBI has been investigating 764 since September 2021. Uh, they just un- uh, We just know about this in the last couple of months because they unsealed some records when they announced indictments. Uh, but it, it, it raises the obvious question, is the FBI unwilling or unable to take down this network? Uh, Kyle's dad told me, well, You know, you don't want to arrest the minor players. You want to work your way up like it's some kind of organized crime case. Mm -hmm. But ostensibly, this is just a chat room of shitty teenagers. So uh, what's going on? I mean, uh, my, my suspicion is either they're using it as a honeypot or maybe there's some people involved who are like in Eastern Europe or Russia and they want to prepare an indictment to tie in Russia into this, even though the indictment will be totally feckless because they can't actually extradite those people and have a trial, but they want to make this as some sort of super conspiracy case. And in the meantime, dozens if not hundreds of teenage girls and even younger girls are being victimized. And it's like FBI, come on guys. Like, what are you waiting for? Just purge this network, arrest everybody you have evidence of criminality against and let's, let's not have satanic, pedophiles operating with impunity. It's, it's unacceptable.
5: Yeah. I wish I knew, I wish I could understand more. Like I want to believe, I want to believe that the FBI are good people. Like I really do. Like, I want to believe that law enforcement's out there trying to help us. Right. And I think that a lot of times that they're, like Ken is saying, they're they're trying to get a bigger fish, a bigger fish, a bigger fish, a bigger fish. But how long? How many victims are there in the meantime, right? Like, how many victims could you have helped, even one, right? Could you have helped one child not be, you know, molested, exploited, and have their lives ruined by that? You know, to me, that's that. For a lot of people, they're going to be like, that's that's small picture thinking, right? But I, it's a big, it's a big picture, right? Like I had somebody earlier today on Twitter. Um, talk about this pedophile that I helped, um, that Alex Rosen with predator poachers actually helped us, uh, get arrested. And, um, you know, we found him on YouTube. This guy was actually insane. He was uh, believed he was the Messiah. He had a cult going. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but you know, I was proud of the fact that we got that man off the street where he couldn't hurt kids, but I had a couple people push back and be like, well, that's just one person. So what? Well, so, I mean, that person could have hurt dozens of kids, right? That, even if it hurt one kid. Right. Think about the ripple effect like you essentially save that kid by getting that man off the street. And that's me having dealt with a lot of victims and having dealt with a lot of victims parents. It's heartbreaking. Right. I would do I would gladly do this work for free if I could help protect one kid from being victimized from this sort of thing. So I just wish that I understood the logic, I guess, behind this waiting, 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 you know.
2: Yeah, it's funny you brought up uh, Russia, Ken. Uh, I believe that was Jade, Jade Parker's original theory of what was behind that, or at least she suspected. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I also just kind of want to comment the idea of like uh, looking for the bigger fish, but it's like by that theory, then they start inserting their fish. And at some point it's like, well, the only really big fish in here is you. Like and like, I, I get it. You were like, well, the reasoning was because we we're trying to infiltrate it so we could you, know, could, you know, somehow get the big big guys. But at some point, it's like you're bolstering this organization and you are, you know, helping it towards its purported me uh, purported, you know, desires. So, uh, you know, <laughs> like even if you are like supposedly of the most noblest of you know intentions, it's like you're. You're you're not helping, uh, Clint. You have any cl- closing thoughts yeah. or questions or stuff that you want to get addressed? Because I mean, this is a, a lot. We just we just kind of dropped a giant dick on the table for a lot of people here, <laughs> and people are trying to figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the dark because I missed a huge chunk of this, so I won't ask any follow up questions because it, it probably has already been covered. But I will say, after interviewing Kyle Seraphin and Steve Friend, uh, I am pretty damn convinced that. <coughs> Almost any FBI agent that is actually in it for the right reasons, the the people that you're saying that you'd like to believe, that's what the FBI might be, uh, they get kicked out. So, <laughs> I I don't think that the FBI as an institution is really driven to protect the American people, uh, or victims. They are if. I'd say, I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that they are almost entirely dedicated to victimizing the American people, but it is certainly a big part of what they are tasked with, and it's sick. It's an absolutely I, sick institution. And
5: I've, and I've seen several sides to this story too, right? I've seen the Jade Parker side, the January 6th side, which is wholly corrupt, right, obviously. And then I've also seen like some of these guys out there who really are boots on the ground trying to help kids. And I think that there are still really good people in federal law enforcement um and i think that it's unfortunate for them that the entire like you said the system is so corrupt because i do at at the core like from the bottom of my heart do believe that there are good people in there trying to make a difference especially when it comes to crimes against kids because they see the most awful stuff like nobody wants these guys to exist right these satanic pedophiles like we can all unite there's no partisan line we all want these people to go away right um and it, it i i still haven't let go of that hope right
1: yeah, that uh... I, I mean the problem is is that well steve friend in particular he was he was like on that beat and then they they transferred him over to fucking covering like j6ers and you know white nationalists or whatever the fuck and he's just like this this isn't a thing like i got i got real victims over here right. let me do let me do my job and they don't they won't let you so unfortunately while i totally agree with you there are certainly still some you know people in the fbi that are that are genuinely good people that are trying to do the right thing institutionally it's just not a possibility at this junction um you know maybe maybe some branches that's different but i think broadly speaking yeah. it's I just crap to its you. core yeah.
2: yeah well all right guys uh this has been an enlightening <laughs> conversation uh let's go around the horn uh clockwise and just kind of give your uh, plugs and uh, let people know where they can find you
3: Ken universal. Silva at JD cash <laughs> on Twitter headlineusa.com, the libertarian Institute. BX,
5: um, BX underscore on underscore X on Twitter. Um, I used to have a YouTube channel. Used to, um, it got banned for no reason. <laughs> what a surprise. Uh, I also want a rumble BX on rumble with no spaces or anything. Just BX on rumble. I'm trying to build that channel out. It's just that my, if you watch my videos, you know that they're kind of like more extensive and elaborate. And I try to put a lot of pageantry and try to make it an experience. I should probably just start putting out some shorter form content so that people can get to know me and stuff. But, um, right now there's a lot of really good material on my rumble channel that you can go watch and it's all, um, you know, it takes a long time to make it. So I need to eventually kind of figure that out, but yeah.
1: Well, speaking of good content that people should not miss, uh, I had on chris martinson today and that episode will be premiering on rumble at 10 o'clock he's a phd that that traveled to the darien gap with brett weinstein who was just on with tucker carlson and he gives me one of the fucking craziest theses i have ever heard in my entire life as to what we just lived through over the past four years and what it portends for the future i highly recommend everybody listen to or watch it uh liberty lockdown on rumble it will not be on youtube because i do not want to lose my channel like bx did uh, it is an absolutely fucking crazy, crazy conversation. Like, genuinely. And this is coming from someone who's already in the conspiracy theorist realm. It's a fucking crazy conversation talking about all sorts of shit that I'm not even going to give details because I don't want Jose to lose his channel. So we'll leave it at that.
2: <laughs> oh, my
5: gosh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, guys, if you like this, uh, you can check this out on YouTube, all the major odd bookcatchers, Rumble as well. Uh, it's a little late. I'm not sure if I'll get it out to the podcatchers tonight, but it'll definitely be out there soon. If you want to support my content, get early stuff get the monthly sponsor giveaway for this month or be a sponsor uh that's uh patreon.com snowy jose 2020 like share subscribe comment share this around I guess, big like, this is a uh, pretty pretty uh breaking news i mean this what just i think came out just what a couple days ago something like that
5: yeah uh, so i think get, you're gonna get... hear a lot about it mm-hmm. eventually yeah. it's, I, think I think this it's is really st- early yeah. breaking yeah. <laughs> yes and cheers, this is cheers
1: to cheers to all three of you for you know stepping into the to the breach on this one um it seems like it's a very important story that's not getting a lot of coverage and i hope you you stay safe bx it's uh it's not fun yeah. to receive threats for it's just wild. being a journalist
3: uh, well, well thank you clint it's good to have like a, a heavyweight with a big twitter account <laughs> boosting this story i think that helps with bx's safety to be honest like more if well, maybe everybody I think knows they're more about interested
5: it. in jose now i mean <laughs> yeah well, that, well that's
2: that's why like everyone some someone in a. Uh, what was it, Cole in my in the Tower Gang chat today was like, I was telling him about this and he was like, he was like, uh, why are you fucking with this guy? And I mean, I said, because I'm a real ass nigga, but like <laughs> uh, that was just my like one ass line, but like my one liner, but I was like, I told, but really it is like my theory, like I'm in this realm, there's no backing off for me. Like there's, and even then I, I think generally speaking, that's probably, de- I mean, obviously there's, there's different situations, but generally speaking, that's typically in my opinion, the wrong way to go. That's how you get yeekied. Like, that's
5: what people it, will keep telling me
2: yeah, yeah so i'm like being as loud as i can like shit i put out a tweet and i know it sounds cheesy i put out a tweet today that was like hey i just you know with me covering all this stuff i just want to remind you uh fucking i, I love my life uh, i would never decide to stop living it uh I, i'm a really good driver if any weird criminal charges come out and do it you know like so same like, and for all yeah. of us right let's all just say yeah. it
5: together right yeah
2: so it's like because my theory is and we were talking about this the other day like because we were getting super schizo because we should be. And it's like if they were to do anything to any of us, they'd for one, they'd have to do it to all of us. And it's like that would be a red pill nuke. And it's not that I think that like I'm some huge Jesus influencer. Christ, but Imagine but if that, i got dude. if i if I got fucking off like the week before I'm supposed to go in Tim Pool to talk about Yiki while I'm covering satanic pedo cults, like I will be in fucking Twitter editing. We'll you bro. you'll be the you'll be
5: the one. you'll be the yiki that ends yeah. it all.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying, hey, that'll be a thing. So don't fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that that is my protection. <laughs> so, I don't I don't
1: yeah. know if that's the best corollary that I will I will be the next Yiki. I will be the next unsolved murder that we're all concerned about for decades and decades.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> Jose the uh, martyr.
2: Yeah. Well, once again, I'm not trying to be that. I'm just saying, you know, well, stop don't, saying don't, it don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. You will fucking, they'll solve this one, you dumb cunts.
5: <laughs> when I woke up and I saw that message, I thought it was to me. Cause like that would make sense if they were threatening to rape me, but they were threatening to rape you. Yeah.
2: I just well, laughed. I think about doing it to
1: Jose all the time.
2: But all right, guys, uh, this has been fun. Uh, I'll let you all go. I mean, fuck, I've been doing this for two and a half hours. I'm not, I'm not Clint. I, I don't scream like this. <laughs> I'm tired. I got shit to do, but oh. I appreciate you guys coming. This is, and I hope this story keeps moving. Uh, but yeah, with that we're out of here. Appreciate it, guys. you
5: guys. All right, bye, y'all. Bye. See. You. Yeah. Bye.